This is just the usual reminder that this show may contain some adult language and humour, and all opinions expressed by guests are solely their own. Hello, I'm Damien Edwardson, one half of Art92 and the creator of the sci-fi wrestling comic, The Galaxy Grappling Alliance, and welcome to Omenta That, the chip-free sporadic podcast series where I talk to a selection of hand-picked guests on a diverse range of topics centred in and around the world of art, comics and all things creative. And after our brief break for the festive season, we're back. And on tonight's bumper episode, I'm pleased to welcome back two returning guests who'll be talking about a shared passion of theirs and quite possibly the greatest superhero the world has ever known. Superman has been depicted for over 80 years in comic books, novels, radio plays, the cinema and TV. And as you'll hear, sometimes the depictions of the Man of Steel himself can be controversial to say the least. So iron your cape and prepare to take to the skies as we discuss the art of Superman. So on today's show, I'm pleased to be joined by two returning guests. You could say it's the Statler and Waldorf of Omen to that, and organisers of the much-respected and currently very sadly missed Oldham Comic Con and True Believers Festival, respectively. But tonight, we're here to talk about a shared passion, as they're probably two of the biggest superfans of the Man of Steel that I know. Both can talk for England, so let's not waste any time in saying a big hello to Dennis Whittle and Stuart Mulrain. Hello. Hello. Hello, guys. You all right? Which, which of us is well-respected and which of us is missed? Um, missed. Well, um, no, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't really I lie think I, I think I, I'm, people. I am definitely not well-respected. <laughs> Well-inspected, I do believe. And I'm rarely missed, so... <laughs> That would be like a really good sort of cop show, wouldn't it? Not respected and missed. <laughs> yeah, rarely missed. <laughs> anyway, enough of this. We've already gone off the rails. It's, we're only like 30 seconds in. Mind you, it's taken us about 45 minutes to get Dennis connected. So, um... <laughs> yeah, I do, I do apologise again. So, you're both safe and well? Yes, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, yeah, we're okay. What about you, Dan? You, you're all right in the Whittle household? Yeah, we're, we're just plodding along, you know, waiting for the inevitability of death. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've probably had it. I think this is it. I've got a theory that this is probably the afterlife and we just don't know it. And it's kind of like limbo now, forever. <laughs> Me, H, and a dopey greyhound. Well, there we go. Talking to you oh, guys. He's dopey greyhound. So, he's I, I great. The dog. I feel like yeah, he, I feel like I know him. He's good, man. Oh, he, he he finally uh, usurped me from the sofa tonight. Normally he goes on the other sofa, but tonight he appeared on the sofa where I normally sit, and then I had to sit on the other sofa on my own. So it's the beginning of the end for me, mate. It's, it's, all, it's when you go to get in bed and he's in there instead. Yeah, it's all down. Well, well yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> I might sit him on my chair and let him do my work tomorrow, see if anybody notices. Anyway, <laughs> enough enough of this dog chat. I just end up going down dog chat now. I might have to change the podcast. Thank you Marty might get for a that. very different clientele. In, in case anyone's wondering, I actually 
dislike dogs with a, <laughs> with a passion. So that's it for this week's episode, then. Well, that's it. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I was on you... on a team call the other day at work, and one of the guys who were with his dogs had little puppies, and he put them on. And he went, "Oh, ah, uh, look at them beautiful!" I was like, "Nah, I'm dead inside." Not like you to not like looking at a couple of puppies, is it though, Then Wrong puppies. <laughs> These ones were slabbering. No pink noses. <laughs> oh, dear. So it's good to know that 2021 has got you geared up and happy as ever. So um, I noticed that quite a few conventions are starting to throw dates out now. Seems a little bit um, optimistic. What, what do they you guys money, think? don't they? I'm still non-committal for our 2022 date. Mm. Yeah, just just no. <laughs> I, I'd be very surprised if any events happen this year. I don't want to be the voice of doom. But... As, we, as we've said before, how can you social distance a con? How can you yeah. do that? I say, even with the vaccine, it's not going to roll out enough that we'll go back to normal. There's still yeah. going to be certain social distancing measures in place. So I think even if you can have a con, yeah, it's going to have to be massively reduced attendance. Yeah. And how yeah. Get guests over? yeah, how are you going to get guests over? Pretty much one's banned from flying. For, I don't know, if you yeah. come into the country, they've got to test this and they've got to stay in isolation. So the cost of bringing a guest over is going to be stupid amounts of money. Mm. I said to pay the two weeks for them to isolate before they can, or wherever long it will yeah. be. Yeah. It's just, it pains me to say it because I'm really missing cons, but I just, I think we're looking at another year that's a write off, unfortunately. Right. I I, w- um, I would agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I was talking about it with H. It's like, don't think that's going is it? I was like, no, no. no and like if it does, say, I'd be really, really, I must confess, quite reluctant to put my name down and, and think I was going to go to something. Because um, you just got to, it's just too risky, isn't it? You know, there's too many factors you got to think about. And your health well, yeah, is I mean, kind of one of them. You've both been to Troobs at Jurors. There's no way we could do that with social no. distancing. Even if they we did it at the race tables. course, <laughs> yeah. even if we did it at the race course, there's no way we could do it with social distancing and cover the costs. So, yeah, and like you say, I, I think I... as much as people want it, I don't think when push comes to shove. Plus, you don't want to be that event that fucking super spreads, do you? No, you don't want to be like you don't want to be Cheltenham races <laughs> <laughs> on a Trump <laughs> rally. Even with even with the. No, not putting aspersions on people who come to cons, but they are sweaty, sticky places. And yeah. as it's well documented, COVID likes fluids. Hot, sticky places. Yeah, so it's it's just a breeding ground. I I I think it's very naive for people to think things are going to happen this year. I think, you know, realistically, I agree with you. I think I think this year's a write-off, and I th- even think next year, I still think you're going to struggle getting overseas guests because I think yeah. people are going to be scared. Just look at the figures today. I think people are going to be scared for travelling. I think you've got more chance of the next James Bond film coming out than you have another Comic-Con. And that looks dubious every day. So Yeah. And I suppose there's the other question of, you know, it's not just getting guests over from maybe the States or whatever, but getting them in from Europe's going to be equally, if not more difficult these days, isn't it? You know, no, I, Getting them from up the road could be a hassle. I, th- I think one of the things that we all love about cons is the interaction with, with the guests and stuff. Yeah. How are you supposed to interact behind like a perspex screen with masks and this, that and the other? It's just not going to be the same experience. So what is the point of doing it unless you can do the same experience? That's it. It's, if you can't do it properly and you can't do it well, not saying that you couldn't do it well, but let's face it, even with doing it to the best possible way you can with restrictions and distance and everything in, it's not going to be the same. No. It's going to be really clinical and awkward and just not fun. So, so I think we... This year is potentially a write-off as well, and possibly the early half of next year, unfortunately. And 
Yeah. Back up to full strength, hopefully by the end of next year. Yeah. So admire people out there trying to be optimistic and give us something to hope for, but um, you know, you've got to, you've just got to be realistic about these things. It ain't going to yeah. go away overnight, is it? And I it's know not people the same, are... but you get the online stuff, and you get like Comic House where you can go and still read some more press comics. There's still people creating comics and putting them out into the world, so you can still get that. It's just like I say, it's not the actual physical thing of being in front of somebody. I mean, I yeah. much prefer buying comics from people at a table than ordering it from their website, but you know, needs must and all that. Yeah. So that there are still ways you can sort of scratch the itch, even if you're not fully getting rid of it. Over the last year, I have bought an obscene amount of comics. It has been absolutely ridiculous amount of money I'm spending on comics. It's, it's escapism for me at the moment. Yeah. So literally, I it's it's it got to the point at one point where I was getting parcels every single day, and I even forgot what I bought. So it was almost like a kind of like a fix. I just needed more stuff to read and more stuff to look at and things. So, yeah. It is yeah. horribly addictive, just for the excitement of something coming to your door, isn't it? It's. Yeah. I've been, um, I don't know about you guys, but I've been gap filling quite a lot with issues. You know, where for years I've been thinking, oh, I must pick up and find out what happened there. And then and I've been doing a lot of that, sort of finishing off runs and, you know, finishing off kind of like me uncanny X Men runs and stuff like that. Just, just kind of picking up here and there. Um, yeah, ironically, I've been doing that with Superman. Well, so oh. have I. I've been, I've been trying to fill in gaps of Golden Age. Um, Superman. So I've been getting buying lots of lots of lots of volume one Superman. And on that segue then, we will end the Comic Con despair chat and we'll move into the purpose of the show. Batman. So thank you both for joining us tonight. And obviously, you know, as we mentioned earlier on, we're here to talk all things Man of Steel. So just to be a little inclusive, because I know I've got some listeners who aren't necessarily comic book sort of fans. Um, I'll just give you a little bit of a background. So very quickly, the character was created by writer Jerry Siegel and artist Joe Schuster. First appeared in the comic book Action Comics number one, which was published in April 1938. Real name is Kal-El. As most people know, he was born on the planet Krypton as the alter ego of the bumbling Daily Planet reporter Clark Kent. His famous red and blue outfit was said to be inspired by the costumes worn by wrestlers and strongmen of the time. It's also believed that the original look of Superman was modelled after Johnny Weissmuller, the Austro-Hungarian Olympic swimmer who rose to fame starring in the highly popular on-screen adaptations of Tarzan. And although he may have recently ditched the Clark Kent persona, Superman is still seen by many as the embodiment of the all-American superhero. Would you agree? Uh, yeah. yeah. Simply. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess the first thing then, for, and we'll, we'll start with you, um, Dennis, is why Superman? You know, what what makes him one of, if not your favourite sort of superhero character? And what was your first recollection of him? I My first thing with Superman was, was the comics, not movies or TV was, was comics. And Su- Superman, Superman for me has always been this kind of... It sounds a bit corny, and I do have this kind of whimsical thing with Superman, but it's kind of who you want to be. So, for me, Superman has always been that best of who we can be. Um, as much as I kind of love his stories, love the outfit, kind of love all the things um, connected to Superman, I, I even like the Golden Age stuff and the Silver Age stuff with all the weird animals and things. Superman has always been this kind of kind of beacon of, of kind of positivity and, and, and stuff. Um, even like today, 
yeah. you know, and and uh, being uh, inspired to to be. And I, I have this like silly thing at work is like you know, no matter you know, be the best you can be. And if you can't be like, be Superman, you know, be the best. And it, so Superman kind of helps with that. You know, he, he's he's what we can look up to. He's what we can be. And he fails. He, you don't need superpowers to be a Superman. You know, there are issues where Superman has lost his powers and just been Clark Kent. Clark Kent, yet he's still gone out there and helped people. And even in his other, um, like, Elseworlds books, he still does the right thing. He might start off on the wrong side, but he'll still always do the right thing. And I, I think with Superman, it's, it, it is who we should try to be. You know, it's a, it's a bit corny, I get that. And it's a bit kind of like, oh, you know, looking up to, I can't be doing that. But simple, tiny things that we can do every single day. We don't need superpowers. You know, checking your next door neighbor. Be nice, cross your lid across the road. Have a smile to somebody, say everything's going to be okay. That's enough to be that kind of that kind of person. So from reading Superman very early, that's what I got from him, was the fact that he will always do the right thing. He'll inspire people. You know, even Batman, you know, he's inspired people to pick up the mantle of Superman, like um, Steel, even um, Kara, Supergirl, even when she was going a bit dodgy, he inspired her to come back. So he is his inspiration. Yeah, his story is going to be a bit corny, but you don't have to relate it to him. You have to just look at what he wants us to be, which is the best of the person we can be. Yeah. And that's how I see Superman. Wow. That's pretty good. Stuart, what about yourself? Uh, I mean, Den pretty much stole my answer, to be honest. But um, for me, the first time, I think it probably was as a child seeing Christopher Reeve as Superman, because that always seemed to be on hard rotation on telly when I was a kid. And I remember watching it with pretty much all my family. I remember watching it with my granddad as well. Um, And then I, in Merits, the newsagents local to us, I picked up a UK reprint from um, the Edgemont when they used to do them. And it was um, Superman number three, and it basically had the second part of the second issue of John Byrne's uh, Man of Steel. Right. So the story of the Century arc. And um, I bought that comic because I spent my pocket money on it um, back when comics were 40p in the newsagents. <laughs> and um, yeah, I carried that around for ages and I started drawing Superman from it and I had it folded up. I used to take it to school in my bag and then when we weren't doing school stuff, I would sit and draw it or we'd play Superman, that sort of thing. Um then obviously the Batman movie came a year later and everybody went more that way. But I've always stayed sort of true Superman. Then I really properly got into Superman around 93 when he came back from the dead. We were on holiday in Menorca and my dad bought the Menorca News, which was like an English language paper that had like all of the world's news. And on the back, there was a guy with a snake going up his nose and coming out of his mouth. That was um, That was his skip thing. But then next mm. to it was a thing about Superman back for good. And I'd read about him dying the year before, and I was like, oh, that's moderately interesting. But the idea of him coming back, so as soon as I got back to England, uh, I went straight to the local comic shop. Uh was scared shitless, because comic shops were scary places then. Yeah. In your mind kind of thing. Blacked out windows. You couldn't see what was going on inside. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, went in and bought Superman number 82, and then went backwards and forwards from there, filling gaps and that sort of thing. And yeah, sort of got caught in that perfect early 90s storm of superman of it was probably arguably as big as he'd been since the movie mm. with the death and return being heavily reported in newspapers you had the dirk mags radio series on bbc radio and you had lois and clark starting on television so i sort of yeah. got 
caught in that perfect storm of Superman and have been a fan ever since. And much like Dan, it's the goodness of Superman. It's that, you know, um, I mean, it's arguably less summed up to quote Lois and Clark friend. Lois Lane says, uh, uh, well, what he can't do doesn't matter. It's the idea of Superman, someone to believe in, someone to build a few hopes around. Uh, whatever he can do, that's enough. Uh, mm. I just wish we could let him know that. And sort of that quote sort of encapsulated Superman and the quotes from the movies and that sort of thing. But it is that symbol of hope that, that there is something better. It's not about what he can do. There's that power is in everybody. Mm. And like Dennis, I always try and be the best person I can be. I don't always succeed, but it's always in my mind that, you know, there is a way to be a better person. Even if on a bad day, to stick to your core principles of what is right. And yeah. that's that's Superman. It sounds, yeah. you know, shit to say, corny shit no. to say, but... No, it doesn't, because it, it, does, it does sum up the character. He's always been that kind of line down the middle, hasn't he, that, you know, is consistent in his yeah. beliefs and in his, his kind of moral core. Um, yeah. I mean, my first introduction to Superman, I mean, I can remember, because I'm, believe it or not, and I start to believe I'm probably a little bit older than you two, um... And it's true, it. people listening. I know you've probably seen us and think I'm lying, but and I, I can, <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, picking up, and I don't know where we got them from. Some early kind of action comic things from the seventies, and I, I love Superman. I was a big super fan when I was a kid, and in fact, on the shelf I'm looking at now, I've got a mug that's probably about forty odd years old, um, an old Superman mug that I've had, from, and I used to have all my drinks in it as a kid. You know, that's all of it. It was the only yeah. mug I'd ever used. And then when the film, when the Christopher Reeve film came out, oh man, that blew my mind. I was about six or seven at the time. And me, mum and dad um, basically dropped me, my brother and my sister off at the cinema to go and see it. And I was, I was beyond like excited for that because even now, what a film that is. You know, you really believed you were seeing somebody fly and, oh, it was just and wonderful. It, ca- it captures the essence of Superman. I think yeah. that yeah. more than more than most superhero movies. I know we're, we're, we're thrown out of them now, but it, it captures just, you know, the Jarell, you know, the great people colour they wish yep. to be. You know, they just lack the light and that's, that's the, you know, just that line. That could have been in any Superman comic up until, like, anyone could have wrote that because it is so, that is what Superman's about. It captivated, it captured to me, what Superman is, he was an icon. People look up to him, mm. you know. And even in that, it shows that he does question things. He's not always mm. perfect, you know. He questions his relationships with people. He questions whether he should be having these powers and whether he can be one place or the other place. You know, if he's saving one person, he's not saving somebody else. But that's okay because he tries his best. And yeah. for me, that's what's important. Just, just be the best you can be. You know, if if you can say that you've been eighty percent and that's the best you can be, that's great. And that. For me, Superman, because my thing with Superman was my next door neighbor, um, when I was probably about seven or eight, he um, used to get comics like um, in, in wrapping, what they used to use um, in containers. He used to work yeah. in like a shipyard, and I used to get used to get bio piles and piles of these comics from America. They were, they were tatty, they were wet, and Superman was always always on the top. Superman mm. was always the one that that kind of always got first. Read them completely out of order. But I just absolutely loved, and I love the emblem on the chest, love the big S. You know, mm-hmm. it just stands out. It's just, it's just eye catching. But more than anything, it's the icon. It's what we can be. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's funny because my main Superman fix for quite a while came from the the 
Do you remember the DC Superhero Monthly reprints that we yep. used to do? Yeah. And, oh, God, I used to love them. I mean, I'm, I'm, funny enough, I've, we were talking earlier about filling gaps, and I've been filling a bit of gaps with them. I've only got a couple I need to get. But I used to love those reprints, you know, the, the, the kind of Kurt Swan... Denny O'Neill strips, wonderful. And the stories in there were brilliant. They were a mixture of kind of, you know, Superman being, like you said, this moral kind of guardian, but absolutely crackers as well. It's like, you know, one of my favourites is where he fights the abominable snowman. And it was just had everything that you wanted as a kid. You know, he was a true, true. And I think, you know, although I have to confess, Batman is probably my favourite kind of comic character. If somebody said to me he was the greatest superhero, it's Superman. Without a doubt, you don't even think about it. He is the greatest superhero that I think I've ever seen in a comic. He is. He's the benchmark for all others, isn't he? Mm. Batman's something different, so you can sort of get away with that. But if you're doing a super-powered character, Superman is your benchmark for it. Whether it's Captain America or Iron Man or Spider-Man or any of them, they have that element of Superman in them whether people admit it or not. And it's not always obvious, but it's there. Yeah. With great power comes great responsibility. That's Superman. He has great power. He has lost responsibility. He cares about things and he wants to be the best he can be. And he could have come to this planet and absolutely just took it over, you know, with his powers, but he chose to help people. And if you read, like, I've just recently just read The Nail in Elseworlds and that kind of Mm. sums up what the world would be like without Superman. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the, like when they killed him off. How many people actually missed him? Yeah, nobody gave a crap until they killed him, and they was like, "We need Superman back." It's one of those things that has always fascinated me with the the character of Superman is that you know he is he is on this planet a god. You know he would be a godlike being, and and like you say, then he, you know, he could if he chose to just destroy everything, and he doesn't. And, you know, that's that's about that doing the right thing. And, you know, we all see it where people have a sniff of power and it goes horribly, horribly wrong. And it, it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of that consistently moral message of, you know, listen, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And actually, if you can, you should do good things and help people. I think the the thing that people often overlook, the, the great unsung heroes of Superman are the Kents. Because yeah. without the Kents, you don't have Superman. I think that's why it's always a mistake with when they adapt it and they kill the Kents off rather quickly, or certainly in the comics now, the Kents aren't there anymore. But it, they've sort of been replaced by Lois and Superman's child, so you've got that. But the Kents are the mm. anchor that keeps Superman, that makes Superman human. Yeah. And like I said, I think, I mean, we'll come on to it later when we talk about the films, but I think some of the films have missed the point of the Kents. Yeah. Or downplayed the point of the Kents, or tried to be edgy with the Kents, and it doesn't work. The Kents are the heart and soul of Superman. That's where his moral compass comes from. That's mm. what makes him both Clark Kent and Superman. And like I say, they're kind of the unsung heroes of the Superman mythology. I think certainly because until Byrne came along, they weren't that big a part of it. It was very much a he arrived in Kansas, um, he had these parents, then they died. Mm kind of thing and when burn came in and they kept him alive for good 10 15 years maybe you always had that anchor of somewhere superman could go back to when he was struggling with something and he could speak to marl pa 
and talk about it. And, you know, sometimes they were played up for comedy value and that sort of thing, or, you know, the bumbling old couple sort of thing. They were very much treated with respect in mm. those sort of things. And I think, yeah, like I say, the importance of those characters, it's easy to forget that with the glossiness of the Jimmy Olsen and your Lois Lane and your Perry White. And it's that's something that's been missing in Superman for a long time for me. And that's another thing that the, you know, the 79 Richard Donner film got right was, you know, they did touch on the importance of, of you know, the Kents. Um, well, they did, because it was that whole thing of the things Superman can't do when he can't yeah. save Park Kent, or those powers, and he still yeah. can't save his father from a heart attack. I mean, we'll come on to Man of Steel more later, but why that whole thing with Park Kent's death in Man of Steel is just fucking stupid. <laughs> Excellent. So, just just going on to, to the question then about the relevance of Superman in today's world. I mean, you know, comic tastes have changed and they're always changing as they should. You know, they've got to change to keep the medium alive and to appeal to people. But Superman, for me, always seems relevant. And there was a period, I'll give you, you know, probably you're right, um, maybe early 90s before they did the Doomsday Death of, um, it started to waver a little bit. Because maybe I don't know, they thought they couldn't do a lot with him, you know. Because well, he I think the problem there was that Batman was huge because you've mm. had the two Tim Burton Batman films, and sort of '95 you had the Val Kilmer one coming up as well, which we had massive anticipation for it. Um, and to be fair, the sort of interest in Batman's never wavered. I think the thing with Superman is it's easy to just write him off as a Boy Scout. I think that's why people try and be edgy with him, like when they did the new Fifty Two. They went for the younger, harder. And to be fair, if you go back to like really early Golden Age Superman stuff, he's a dick. Mm. 95% yes. of the time, he's a massive bellend. Mm. But that's sort of, of the time, he's very he's very violent. It's not the understanding Superman, the Superman that will try and understand your point of view before he piles you through a wall, potentially. Kind of thing. This was very much the Superman like Zack Snyder Superman that will just smash you through a wall and probably kill you. Um, but they sort of softened that edge a little bit, and but yeah, they sort of mellowed him and sort of gave him a more of a moral compass, and sort of played up the beacon of hope kind of thing, and then took it more in a gentler direction. And I think that works for him. I think that's what makes it relevant. Like I say, the new Fifty Two edgy one wasn't popular, which is why they went and brought back the original one. I don't think it had the knock-on effect they were hoping for. I think because they were slightly influenced by the movies, as is the way of comics now. But, and to use a movie analogy, you've only got to look at how the Marvel Cinematic Universe handled Captain America, or how DC handled Wonder Woman. That first Wonder Woman film is one of the best Superman movies that doesn't have Superman in it. Yeah. Um, tonally, that's sort of what you're going for. And I think, and now with Bendis on it, I know he's about to end his run, but mm. that Bendis run has been superb as well, and I think it made Superman relevant again. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure, Again, I'm not sure what the sales numbers are, but it seemed to be popular both critically and with fans, or as popular as comics are now, kind of thing. Because obviously they're never going to smash the numbers they used to smash. Yeah, yeah. But but I think Bendis made Superman relevant again. And if you've read the Bendis, the Man of Steel, even the miniseries, there's some lovely Superman touches in it, like the opening pages where it's the two burglars talking and they're being careful not to use keywords because mm. it'll attract him. And then one of them says something and Superman just appears. And then you've got the whole thing where he's investigating an arson and the fire chief's there and then she whispers something under her breath and he replies and she's like, 
all right, yeah, super hearing. And it's just that nice, playful Superman thing. I also, I also think in the nineties, it was the it was the birth of kind of the antihero, wasn't it? Yeah, you mm. know. And as we as we've touched on, Superman is pretty much straight down the middle, good guy. It was um, the image movement, wasn't it? It's... Yeah, everybody wanted someone in a, in a leather jacket with lots of little Pouches. carry-ons around their ankles and knees and head and arms, and he didn't really fit into that mold, you know. So I think killing him off was probably the best thing they did to him because it showed yeah. that doesn't matter who you are, you still need Superman. And then you like you got Kingdom Come as well, which kind of showed this is this is this is how you be a hero. You yeah. know, the Matt Wade kind of wrote it beautifully, and this is this is how you be a hero. I don't want to be one of them. I'm, I've, I've chilled out and stuff, but this is how I'm going to be it. Um, but I do, th- I do agree with you with, with the Bendis stuff. I think now, I think he's more relevant now than than he has been for ages. I think the Bendis has been brilliant. I think his 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 dialogue and the way he does things is amazing. But I think going back to the hope thing, I think people need that. I think people need that escapism, and Superman's perfect for that. We all need a Superman. We all yeah. we all looking for someone to come and save us, and for thirty two pages you've got that. Mm. And there is and there has been like beautiful little moments, you know, that when Superman kind of spoiled like takes his glasses off like Perry Wyatt and stuff and just hugs him, you know, it's 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 beautiful. But people have that always, whole people panel, I was in tears. Yeah, mm. exactly. And then there's I, I don't really read up up and away, you know the um, is it up up and away? It might be the the um, Tim Sale one, which is yeah. which is it's. The end of that, it's like that he's, he's got a, a child, and it's why did you save me? Oh, because you're Superman. You know, you, it, it's almost like it's it's written, yeah. almost like a musical score. It starts off very very slow and then builds and builds, and at the end, it's just you did it because you're Superman. You know, and yeah. you get it. And that's again, I was like, oh, this is amazing. So this is this is this is my Superman. This is how I, this is how I feel about Superman. And it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think some of the best interpretations of Superman have been when they've shown him being more vulnerable because he isn't vulnerable you know he, he's he, with the exception of kryptonite you know he's pretty much invulnerable but i always think of the um the issue 34 of hitman that garth ennis wrote where and i, I love that issue and i i mean i think it was, it was beautifully written and beautifully drawn where you know you've got superman on the rooftop with uh tommy monahan and, and he's talking about you know how he's he kind of feels he's let everyone down because then ast- he couldn't save this astronaut's life, and you know, and, and it's funny because at the time that was done, which is you know in the um, it would have been the nineties, wouldn't it? Early nineties. Yeah. That's the time when people would have liked to have given Superman a bit of a kick in. I think it was just turning a little bit, and like you say, going for that kind of image, you know, the leather jacket brigade, and and yet Tommy obviously is in awe of Superman, and and explains to him that he's, he's looking at it with the wrong perspective and and it, i think it's just beautiful that i think it's just a really nice touching story um about how you can be as powerful as as somebody like superman but yet the weight of that power is that you screw up once and it just eats you away there's just something yeah. about it i mean one story arc that i was going to mention that I will say that anybody that listens to Tony Esmond's podcast, Alan Henderson, also mentioned this. But the Crisis at Hand two issues, um, which was Man of Steel 16 and Superman 72, mm. which is where Superman's got... Uh, there's a guy beating his... It's either his wife or his girlfriend. But he's, like, beating her, and he can hear it through the walls. 
but he can't do anything about it. He's powerless to do it. He tries to intervene, but she defends her husband like a lot of or battered wives do. And it's just a really interesting thing about, you know, his all the powers he's got, they don't matter because he can't do anything about this. And he talks about how he tried to do it before, where he took a guy who was beating his girlfriend and, like, took him up really high and dropped him and then caught him to scare the living shit out of him. Mm. And, he was, you know, he was young. He says he's younger and hotter-headed then kind of thing. But it's just a really interesting look at, you know... Again, it's a different take on the all these powers and I couldn't save him kind of thing. Um, but it's a great piece of writing from that period, and that's just shortly before he died. So yeah, 72 would be about three issues before Death of Superman kind of thing. But mm. And with the Death of Superman and then the Reign of Superman, they gave you those alternative versions of Superman. So you had the young leather jacket Superman in Superboy. You had the you know, tougher, more vigilante Batman Punisher style in The Eradicator. You had the cyborg Superman. You had Steel that was like the heart and soul of Superman kind of thing. So they sort of gave you all those different kind of things and everybody just wanted the real McCoy. It was a genius bit of marketing because with the death of Superman, people always look at the death and they miss the main thing, which is the funeral. The whole world without Superman 12-issue arc that comes between death and reign of that's the funeral for a friend. Yeah, the funeral for a friend. That's the key bit of that story. And then the reign of the Superman is the, well, you want a vicious Superman is the eradicator. Uh, yeah. You know, you want the leather jacket biker dude Superman, here's Superboy. And all that sort of thing. So they, they very much played with giving people what they wanted and they didn't want it when they were presented with it. It's the same with the new 52 Superman. I think they gave people what they thought they wanted from Superman. And they didn't really want it. And that's why they brought back the original. Yeah. Which so, I think is the only pre-New yeah. 52 character, apart from Wally West, that's come back into that. I I also thought the way they killed him as well was like almost overly brutal to kind yeah. of really push on me. Or he was, you know, as much as anyone said, he was beaten to death. Yeah. You know, Doomsday pummeled him to death. And that splash page when, when he's just, he's lying in a rubble. And Lois is coming over, start, and it's 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 one of those images like ingrains. Um, and I, rem- I remember reading um, um, an article. Is it I can't, can't pronounce his surname. Dan Jorg- Jorgens, Jorg- yeah. He was saying, he was saying like you know about stories because yeah, because I literally beat Superman to death. Yeah. You know, I was the guy who beat him to death. And I it, still it's, reread it's Death of Superman and hope the outcome's different. It's so, bizarre because I know it's not. But there's still that thing yeah. in the back of my mind. And then you've got that mean. beautiful Lois Lane piece of, you know, like weary boxes that have gone the distance, the two combatants colliding in one last explosive blow. Yeah. The first time I sort of welled up at a Superman comic. So just for anyone listening who isn't as versed in sort of Superman lore, the the death of Superman was lo- well, long running because it started in December nineteen ninety two and lasted until October ninety-three and culminated in, as um said by, by Dennis and Stuart there the actual death of Superman. And at the time, it was quite astounding because they genuinely did kill him for a while. You know, he dies. And they I did, remember and they that... took Superman off sale after a funeral for yep. a friend for a couple of months as well. Yeah, and that story arc was amazing. And the thing I love about that book, and I love, I, I do love that, that whole sort of story arc that leads up to the death in issue 75. I think it's just beautiful. But It's beautifully laid out as well, how the, the panels last, yeah, go down each issue as well. Well, the final issue is single page panels all yeah. the way through because it it builds into this this 
like brutal fight, as Den says, where he just gets beaten to death. And it's this brutal fight that that starts to work its work itself through the panels. And I think issue seventy four was, if I remember rightly, may even be like two panels per page all the way through. And then the final, you know, death of Superman is a single panel page all the way through the book, and it's relentless, yeah. relentless, relentless, relentless. And it's a wonderful example of how you can use the format of a comic book to add that kind of feeling of weight and of just this relentless kind of downward spiral. It, you know, it's just a beautifully put together piece of art, that book. And I love it. And I cried yeah. when I read it. You know, I was really genuinely upset. And yeah. even now when I reread yeah. it, I like you, uh, Stu, I, I kind of, I kind of hope, you know, you kind of hope that he isn't, he isn't going to die you do, at the You just end. hope for a slightly different outcome, don't yeah. you? That it's, I, th- I think two of the biggest mistakes DC ever made with regard to bringing characters back were Jason Todd and Doomsday. Don't Doomsday start should have stayed it. dead after that. I know, well, I know Jason, Jason Todd's Ted been just, discussed before. It's a but, red flag for me, but, but yeah, I but agree. But Doomsday, Doomsday should have been a one and done villain. I agree. I know they sort of laid the groundwork with Cyborg Superman implanting something on Doomsday when he tossed him out into space kind of thing that then played to bring him back the cyborg superman but that's another character i arguably think shouldn't have been brought back either mm. but there's less of a case for it because once you've had a character that's killed superman what are you going to do with him next time he's either going to kill him again or he's not and then it undermines the yeah. fact he killed him the first time to a degree it's, it's the same issue that i have with bane you know i mean the character of bane yeah. in the batman run and again you know where, where he breaks the bat that was a great character but now he's he's almost just a it's almost like a comedy cartoon character. Yeah. They've just they've just kind of really and watered it down to the point of just becoming a, a cliche for, you know, the new sort of arch enemy over the Joker as it were. And they've done that with, with Doomsday to be fair. You know, they've they've gone back to the well on that. And I agree completely. They should have left him dead. You know, because well, so it, you didn't need the backstory of how he was created or anything. No. It was just enough to know that he was something so bad that he'd been buried deep underground on Earth. And you kind of got everything you needed to know about Doomsday and those opening things of him first breaking out and killing the deer and crushing the bird, that sort of thing, and then him going on the rampage. Mm. And um, have either of you seen the animated Death and Return of Superman movies they released last yes. year or the year before? Yeah, I've not. They are... I was really excited because that first Death of Superman movie was all right but it just kind of missed it and i thought with these we were going to get a proper straight adaption and there's two huge things with it one they completely gloss over funeral for a friend which like i say is the key part of that story and because funeral for a friend is very much lois lane's story yeah as well as the world and she's our view into the world without superman kind of thing and superman doesn't get into the fight until the last possible minute Whereas in the comic, he's like, shit's going down, I gotta go. Whereas in the comic, he's like, I don't really want to stand low. In the animated film, he's like, I don't really want to stand Lois up, so I'll- they can carry on getting their asses kicked. And it just completely undermines Superman's sacrifice. Yeah. That Superman is there fighting constantly. It's like, you know, apart from a quick break, where he's constantly on Doomsday's tail. And that's what, you know, kills him, because, you know, he's a solar battery for power. He's brought in from the sun. He's just drained down throughout the course of the day. Hmm kind of thing and that I, film just completely fucked it <laughs> i i do i do like hunter prey you know because even though it's you know doomsdays in it but yeah I, what i like about it is is that superman's scared mm. yeah he's actually it's the first time really you've seen superman bricking it 
He's, he's, he's yeah, no, I, worried I do enjoy that. that. And I read that multiple times as a kid. I bought that when it first came out in the Prestige Editions. Yeah. Back when you used to get the ones with the spine and the nice harder cover kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, and thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that. It, and, it, but it shows how much the whole experience affected him. It's not just yeah. that he, he died, came back, and yay, I'm okay again. I've got a, a you know a mullet and a, on this that, and the other. It was it it it, it affected him a, like PTSD. He's got he's scared. Yeah. He's he's worried that he won't be able to you know survive this time. Yeah. So where do you stand then on the um we've both talked about the the returning characters such as Doomsday and and Bane and things like that. And just generally, do you, do you feel that that people use them too much these days? I mean, Bane seems to be in every bloody bat comic it's I'm going you know sick to death of the joker i'm s- joker and and um deathstroke can't stand yeah. i'm sick of them mm. um J- joker should take a take a this the, batman batman's got thousands he's got one of the best raw calories in comics um use them don't keep going yeah. to the same same ones over and over again um and as for bringing back dead people uh yeah, it's it's a mag. I I think if you if unless you unless you're the Superman, Batman, or whatever, I think once you're dead, you're dead. Um, I, I think for me, it largely depends it how they went it. out. Mm. If if they went like like say Jason Todd, that had a massive impact. And Jason Todd, you know, they only brought back because you had that bluff in Huff in um, Hush, where he took off the mask and he was Jason Todd, and then it wasn't Jason Todd; it was Tommy Wass's face. But you know that. People were like, "Ooh, Jason Todd being back!" And then somebody at DC was like, "We got a really good reaction from that Jason Todd bluff thing. What if we just bring Jason Todd back?" So they did that, and that was not about a storytelling thing. That was about a, "Oh, let's get that shock moment again. We can build on that." And um, mm-hmm. with Doomsday, I agree with Dan. I must confess, I clean forgot about Hunt and Prey, um, which is stupid because I loved reading it as a youngster kind of thing, or you know, a younger person. Um, but yeah, I, again, I kind of think if they'd have done that with Doomsday and you got, like Dan says, the interesting thing of Superman genuinely being afraid kind of thing, but mm. it just undermines every time they then bring him back. Um, I think with like Bane, it, I can't remember when they initially brought him back, whether they did anything interesting with him or not. I was kind of dipping in and out of back. I know they made him related to Bruce at one point. Yeah, they took when they brought him back, they took the venom off him. So he was just... He couldn't. He's he's gonna pe- beat the bat now without venom. He doesn't need yeah. the steroid anymore. So he trained and done this, that, and the other um, to go and go and go and battle the bat again. Um, and he didn't need venom for it. So that I, I think that was quite interesting. The fact that he got rid of the steroid and stuff. But it's it's like every major storyline has the Joker has. Bane mm. in it, you know, City of Bane. You just had like the three Jokers, and you had the Joker War. To be fair, the Joker War was quite good. Um, but you just, it's, it's done to the, there's so many really really good characters out there Superman, The Flash you know, um, Batman they have um, loads and loads of um, of villains out there Yeah. Um, and they just need to use them just, you know, th- th- these people are writers and that kind of what I like about Bendis' run is the fact he's done different things with, with Superman Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's, it's not always been about him punching things through walls and stuff, it's, he's been a bit more because he, he's very good Benders, I, I find it writing dialogue and the conversations and things, and I also like the fact that he wrote Superman and Clark as almost like two completely different people to start off with. Yeah, you know, Bendis is great at capturing the natural humor of Superman as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I'm certain people that need to stay dead. 
yeah. in comics because it just it just cheapens yeah. it every time someone dies. So if we just talk about Bendis for a little bit then, because um, like you said, I think he's come to the end of his run soon, isn't he? On Superman. Yeah, I think he's got a couple of issues left, and then he's going. And I've, which is I've a not, shame, I think. Yeah, I've not read a lot of it. I've read a few, and I've read obviously I read around the issues um, where he makes the decision that he's going to tell the world that you know he is Clark Kent and the ramifications of that, which is the important bit. Because I know they've yeah. done the identity thing before, and then they've they've backtracked on it and all the rest of it. But I, I, I was really interested listening to Bendis saying, you know, no, this time I've told them, you know, we're not doing the identity story unless it sticks. You know, we're going to keep it. We're going to keep it going. Now, how long they'll keep it going when he's gone, I don't know. But I, th- I found that fascinating. I did love the fact that he focused on, you know, what happens to the people around Superman when that that secret is out. Yeah. And and I don't know what 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 do you guys think of that? Did you enjoy it or or with the, did you have issues with it? Because I've, I've had I, people tell me different I, things about the review of it. I liked the way the heroes reacted to it. Mm, yeah, there's a, there's, there's a really good um, two-page splash panel showing how everyone. You've got Batman who's kind of turned his back on it. Everybody else is cheering, and in the background you've got Wonder Woman looking really, really pissed off. And then you go into why each of them's feeling the way they're doing. And Batman's only annoyed because he's like, he didn't tell me, <laughs> you know, he's gonna done this on his own. But you've you've almost got and Wonder Woman's kind of like, she's the warrior, isn't she? So she's yeah. like, well, why have you done that? You've you've given up your advantage, kind of thing. Um. But I like I like the way the heroes were. But my, my favorite bit is the Perry White bit. I mm, absolutely yeah. adore. It's it's just like it, <laughs> yeah. I I welled up when I read it because it's just doesn't say anything. It's very very subtle. Just and he's like what he's like. I've kind of always known sort of stuff. Big cuddle, and then you have a like a conversation outside, and there's other people who said, "Well, we've kept it a secret. We've we've known." And it's kind of like this this well of kind of everyone's just so happy kind of stuff you know it's yeah. finally we can finally you know relate to you sort of stuff but i i i don't think it'll stick that long i think they've already started laying the groundwork for it to go yeah i was gonna say the one thing i liked about that perry white bit was where he fires him and then rehires him because he sees yes. a brilliant opportunity to say daily planet you know we've got superman writing for us and I, 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 it did make me laugh that because i thought that's that's very, very clever, and actually probably quite true as well for somebody in Perry White's position. But it, it, it I've, I've always liked the idea that. in the back of my head that Perry White knew. It's, yes, it's never been in the comics, mm. but it's always just been in the back of my mind that he, he's got to know by this point. He's probably just doubted guy. himself. <laughs> and was, he's was, never pushed to find out who Superman is. Yeah, it was very different though. If you, if you remember when Spider Man gave up his kind of um, identity in Civil War, mm. and the kind of reaction was just all negative around it. Um, where well, this time, when Superman's given up kind of his identity, everyone's dead positive about it. Everyone's dead happy because, again, Civil War was a negative story. They're all hating each other. Where Superman again is positive, so him doing it is a positive thing. Um, plus, I dislike Civil War a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, don't like that. I like the fact that he, you know people have different opinions about it. You know, within the comics, people are a bit annoyed that you know simple little things. Batman's annoyed because he, he didn't speak to him first about it. Yeah, and that shows what sort of friendship, like you know, Batman and Clark are best mates. They are best friends, which are where you look at it. Mm. It's taken what fifty, sixty years for them to become best mate, best mates, seventy years. Yeah, um, but they are the the, the best friends. Um, See, I'd forgotten can... that now. Batman didn't even know at the time. Yeah, yeah, but he's your best mate. 
you tend to tell them you're going to do these things. So he's he's not pissed off that he's done it. He's yeah. annoyed because he didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was clever. It shows it shows the relationship again, which I think Bendis has done very very well in his run. It's not like I say, it's not always been about superhuman abilities and the other. It's mm. about individual characters. He's very good at doing the character stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So if you had to, um, I mean, it's been some brilliant creative teams on super titles, you know, Action Comics and Superman and, and all the rest over the years. And, you know, I think everybody's had a crack at him at some point. But if you guys could could maybe pick out who your favourite creators were on the Superman titles and, and, you know, why do you think they got Superman? And we'll start with you, Stu. Uh, I think for me, my favourite team is from that John Byrne into the Mike Carlin on editing period. So when you had Dan Jurgens. Roger Stern, Louis Simonson, um, John Bogdanovich, Bogdan, yeah, however, um, yeah. and all that crew. That was sort of my Superman. I didn't like the art style for all of the comics, the Man of Steel comics. I never particularly, I got it, but I didn't particularly, it didn't gel with me. But I've always loved Dan Jurgens and Brett Breeden's take on Superman. Yeah. And um, John Byrne's version of Superman as well is stunning. Um and yeah, it's sort of, you need the right people who get Superman. So Bendis gets Superman, but you also need the right artist. Because some of the Bendis stuff, it's um, Ramita Jr. doing the art. And I don't like his Superman. For me, getting Superman's face is tricky. You need the right artist. He needs to look like he would kick your ass if he needs to, but also that he's friendly and approachable. And it's Jim Lee's Superman always looked a bit too angular and... Like he's going to fuck you up kind of thing. And for me, you need an artist that can get that face right. So not quite the Tim Sale, he's a thumb with a chin kind of look. Yeah. But sort of a bit of a friendlier face. And then that needs to also come across in the writing as well. So you need that. He's firm, but he's also... Because he is the symbol of hope. He's supposed to be the people that the superhero that people can approach. You can't approach a Batman kind of thing. So you kind of need to reflect that in him. If he looks angular and pointy and a bit mean looking, um, it's just, yeah, not quite right. So you need that sort of team. So like I say, that 90s team I absolutely loved. Um, like I say, Bendis is nailing it. Um, before that, um, I quite I like Neil Adams' Superman. It's not as good as his Batman, if I'm being honest. And um, bollocks, what's his name? Shit, Kurt Swan. I mean, Kurt Swan was was mine. I mean, I I adore Kurt Swan even yeah. now. I just think, see, I quite like John Byrne. Sort of has that Kurt Swanishness in his Superman. Yeah, it sort of disappears as it goes on, but it's there. It sort of bridges the gap quite nicely from that late seventies, late seventies, early eighties Superman into the eighties, nineties Superman. Yeah, and you know, before he got the accidental mullet. Because it wasn't supposed to be a mullet. It's just the way one of them drew the hair. The other one assumed it was a mullet. And it, it carried like that for until the wedding. What about you, Dan? Uh, Gazia Lopez. I, I, I don't think this is about a Superman artist. <laughs> I, it just, it, I think it's because it, it, it's in my psyche of everything early, what I read. And my wallpaper in my bedroom was, was that, was, was four images that he drew. And right. my little my little um, Superman toy. He did a package for that. I, I, I Superman family comics. He used to do that. So, um, Gazia Lopez, 
Um, I can I, and I I do agree. John John Byrne and Kurt Swan for artists are really really good. I like I, I agree. With Stuart and the face is very important. Also, Superman's stance. I like yeah. the fact that artists draw him like he's moving. You know, a lot of artists when they when they draw him flying, he looks like he's just stuck. Where these guys, <laughs> there's movement on the page. Does that, as an artist, Damien, do you get that? There's movement on the page. He, he's flying. He's not just stuck there. Yeah, and it's something you see a lot in comic art, and it's something that as a well, there's someone who draws. I won't call myself an artist, but somebody who draws. You always struggle with this fact that you know you need your characters to have weight and to have yeah. movement, and it's really difficult. And you see some people like Lopez, people like that, and Kurt Swan. They could all do that. They can all get this kind of. It's almost like a kinetic feel on the page that you know there's this energy and movement. And other people, and you see it now in in you know the people drawing in in comics today that it literally looks like people have just posed figures and they're stood there rigid and there's no you know like i said there's no weight to it you don't you don't feel any yeah. volume to the characters there's no movement and it's really difficult that and you're right you know lopez was definitely one of those people um and an- another version of superman that I, uh, superman that i always loved was i always love frank miller's version of superman and i know it's, it's taken slightly out of uh out of the the, the expected norms but it, it it, again, it it really had that kind of dynamic weight to it. I mean, all all Frank Miller's characters in that in that kind of particular, um, you know, Dark Knight Returns era, they all have it. They all have this this manic energy. But I do like the way he did uh, he did Superman as well. There's uh, I, a grace to Superman that I think not every artist captures. Like I say, and it's in the capturing it looking like he's moving kind of thing. But there's a grace to it, and I think another mistake people make is to make him too bulky. Mm. Superman shouldn't be a huge roided up dude. Um, he should be like the Kurt Swan, John Byrne kind of body type, kind of like the Christopher Reeve in the movie. Yeah, that's pretty much what Superman should look like. He shouldn't be muscle because the dude's Superman. Like it's like how McGinnis does he build muscle anyway? Him. Really? Yeah. McGinnis puts what muscles on top of muscles on top of muscles. Yeah, it just doesn't look right. Um, yeah, yeah, it's because he doesn't I... need it as a character. It's like Spider Man shouldn't be bulky. Yeah. Just, yeah. Because I'm also like a, a kind of a big fan of the Golden Age madness um, and uh, you know early Silver Age stuff. I like kind of Wayne Boring as well because he drew him like he looks like an athlete. You know, yeah. he's not he's not bulky. He does look like the muscle that the kind of um, Joel Schuster's kind of he, he looks. Yeah, like he could be in the circus or he could be doing this. He he's not bulky. He's just he's just curved in the right places. He's got the muscles. Yeah, it's right sort of like a natural muscle rather than a yeah yeah and worked on muscle that, kind of I, thing. I absolutely adore the crazy shit from Golden Age and and early Silver Age <laughs> stuff and all the you know comet the super horse and the monkey yeah. and I love the madness of that kind of stuff as well. But and again, it's because a kid you read that and you become a kid again. Um, but like I said. For me, um, Gazia Lopez is 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 the Superman. I, I, it's really. I bought a Wonder Woman comic the other day that I didn't even know he did the cover on, and it's one of the best covers I've seen. It's just she stood on the invisible jet with with a face in the background in like um, it's like a purple color, and it's and, it, and he, she's beautiful. And that's you know people get that wrong. We're talking about faces for Superman. People sometimes make Wonder Woman look a bit manly and a bit kind of chiseled yeah. jaw. And she's Amazonian. She's again. She's an athlete. She doesn't need all these muscles. And he drew that. He drew that beautifully as well. Made her look pretty. 
um, which I think is important. Same with Superman, you want that kind of approachness. And I, the, the John Byrne, the Man of Steel, when he's when he's flying out of the the, the he's took off from the Kent farm. Yeah, I'm Superman. Yeah. That's amazing. That's just that's, that is Superman. That's beautiful. That's it. If there's one so. page from a comic I could own, it'd be that one. Yeah. It's yeah. my next tattoo. Yay! <laughs> it's interesting, though, isn't it? You talk about that over-rendered style almost, you know, the over-muscular style. And I always prefer kind of heroes that aren't completely ripped. You know, I, I always prefer the interpretations of them where, you know, they're, they're obviously well-built and, and athletic, but not, you know, every vein is popping and stuff like that. And it, it particularly Would doesn't you say work Batman's the same. Yeah. Batman's a fucking ninja. He shouldn't be a built up dude. He's supposed to be able to move stealthily through the night. Like I say, he's a fucking ninja. He shouldn't need armor and he shouldn't need to be like huge muscles. Yeah. As good as it looks sometimes in certain drawings, it's like it's like, yeah, he looks cool, but he wouldn't be able to move elegantly for fucking shit. No. You see I, Alex Ross, I don't like the way he draws Superman, but I like the way he draws Batman. Mm, I yeah. Think Superman, he, he's got a, he's, he's basically me. He's got a belly on him. And he, it's very much um, George Reeves is his Superman. But yeah. With Batman, it's very much athlete. He's very much you know he's not overly built. He looks like he you know he could be a bit stealthy. Um, but I can I cannot stand the way he draws Superman. I hate it. And it's really it was one of those things that people you hate Alex Ross's Superman. Well, yeah, I, I just. And I think it goes back to kind of uh, like Gazia stuff. You know, I want him to, he's a god after all. I don't want him to have a beer belly. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I always thought I as know. a kid when Superman had the suit on under his Clark Kent suit, you should have brought the cape around to make a beer belly so Clark Kent had a little pot belly. Because <laughs> I always wondered, where does the fucking cape go when he's got a suit on? Yeah, It's, it's yeah. quite interesting because um, one of the, I think one of the best interpretations of, of Batman was done by Arthur Ransom uh, because it just looked like a guy in a suit. You know, it didn't. He, he yeah. wasn't ripped, and he and I mean, it didn't obviously didn't play well because he didn't do that many uh, that many tiles on it, did he? But I loved his interpretation of, of just you know he he looked like a, a pretty skinny kind of tall guy just in a cape and cowl, and I loved that. And I'd love to have seen him do um, something along the similar lines with Superman, but I've never seen any. Arthur Ransom Superman stuff. I don't know if it's out there. But... It's weird, the way Neil Adams draws Batman as well, he's not overly muscly either, is he? Mm. Yeah, I kind of, because that's, again, going back to Neil Adams, that's my Batman. You know, that that kind of, you know, um, the way he looks and that. And again, I don't like the way he draws Superman. I like the way he draws um, yeah. Batman. Don't like the way yeah, he draws no. His, I, I love his Batman. I'm not a huge fan of his Superman. And a bit like you were saying about... Um, Ramita Jr. as well, drawing Superman. It's too still for me. Yeah, it's it's too blocky and still. There's no flow to it. It's, it yeah. doesn't look like. It looks like if he if he jumped out of a window to fly, he'd fall like a sack of crap and just. <laughs> it just it doesn't look like heavy. Superman either. Yeah, it looks heavy and bulky, and it it doesn't look right. You want you want that flow. You want the cape to look almost part of him, and that's what these the artists we mentioned does. And, and I I agree with you, Dan, for the the, the um death of Superman stuff. I think he draws. Uh, Superman amazingly mm, um, yeah. but and again we're going back to the death of Superman every single panel you could feel every single punch now oh, if yeah. that was um, Ramita drawing that it'd be like oh god you know, <laughs> how, could he li- how could he lift that massive bulky fist up to do anything you mm. 
mm. that's how I feel about it. I'm not a big fan, but I do to draw Superman. You do need it's almost like a ballet. You need that kind of you need the movement. You need that kind of swish stuff. That yeah. makes swish stuff. Go on, Dame. You can use that an artist next time someone asks you something. Do you want swish stuff on it? Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't do swish. I could do swish. Get it some swish. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of those swish lines. Sure, he's moving. <laughs> Even though he stood like he's, you know, he looks like he's nailed to the floor. So, just just on the flip side of that, then, do you feel there's any any kind of artists or writers that have never really got Superman as a character because he's yeah, quite a complex character? Loads. Yeah, loads of people. I'm not Who's lying. the worst offenders in your opinion? Then you're going to hate <sighs> me for mine, Frank fucking Miller. Yeah, I was going to say the same. I was waiting. <laughs> yeah, but I agree because. Yeah. Well, I'll come on to my view about Frank Miller's Superman. No, but nothing yeah, fills explain. me with more dread than Frank Miller's working on a new Superman. It's like, oh, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't get the character. I'm not a massive fan. I'm, I've said it before, so it's not going to shock many people, but I'm not a massive fan of Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. I like it. I appreciate it for what it is. But it's, by the time I got into comics, it wasn't what I was looking for, and it wasn't even what I was looking for in a Batman story. Yeah, Like I said, I understand its importance and where it came. And why it means so much to so many people, but for me, it largely left me cold. And a huge part of that is his gross misunderstanding of fucking Superman. He just doesn't I get the character. 100%. He doesn't draw him. It's, he's not written well. I don't like the way he's drawn in it. There's some cool like silhouette shots of Superman that I'm like, that's nice, but it's not right. But it's a nice page kind of thing or a mm. nice panel. But the closest he gets to it is the wry smile at the end when he knows that Bruce is still alive. Yeah. Spoilers for The Dark Knight Returns. Um, but yeah, and I mean, that's, again, we'll come on to it in a minute, but that's fundamentally where Zack Snyder's gone wrong. So I'm pretty sure the only fucking Superman comic he's read is the Frank Miller ones. Mm. Mm. And he doesn't get the character because he's just got that in his head. Because Miller makes him a Republican, or not necessarily a Republican, but, you know, he's Reagan's bitch. Mm. And Superman, even if he has that sort of moral code, he would question it. He wouldn't blindly just follow. And oh it just frustrates me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Miller's Superman makes me angry. And you know. What about you? He misses the point, doesn't oh, I I'm sorry, yeah, I I he misses the point of Superman. Yeah. He misses everything what makes Superman great. You know, if you read read Red Sun, you read um what's the other one? Um World Divided. You know, he's, he starts off as a weapon, yeah. but his moral compass and who he is comes through that. And in the end, he's the hero of the of the piece. Um, and th- and that's and that's the core of Superman, and and that's what he doesn't get. He just sees him as a brute that he can just say, "Go and punch, go and smash, go and do whatever." Um, it smacks yeah. of edgy for the sake of being edgy. But it, 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 uh, Superman's not edgy. Why? Why? No, that's what I mean. It's like, yeah. but it's like he's gone. Who can I take that I can like, you know, flip and be people will be like, oh, that's genius, kind of thing. It's like I'll do it to Superman. It's just it doesn't work. Like I say, if you're somebody who doesn't like Superman anyway, that's going to play right into your hands. So <laughs> I, I think in his right. So it's not often that you try and defend Frank Miller because it's not <laughs> steady, easy sometimes, steady. is it? <laughs> But I always I know. I always read from that though that it's not that he doesn't get Superman. I always took the very clear feeling that he didn't like what the character stood for, and he didn't believe that 
Superman. He doesn't like Superman. <laughs> no, it, well, he doesn't like what he what he stood for. He doesn't he doesn't believe he is the superhero? You know, the American superhero. And and it was his opportunity to completely screw that over, turning him into essentially what he's just a big arsehole. I I actually think it's um, probably a critique of America itself. You know, maybe in the future, even the hope that Superman signifies has gone. You know, because that's yeah. how he portrays him. He portrays him as a as an arsehole all the way yeah. through, with the exception of, um, at, like you say, the very last panel when he he hears you know Bruce Wayne's heartbeat, and he chooses to say nothing, even though you would expect all the way through it, you know, given the way he behaved, he would be the first one to to grass him up. But I also think he, he to me, when I read it and I reread it, I think he does that to try and strengthen the character of of the grisly old asshole Batman that is in the book as well, and the main core of the book. Because I think if you imagined having that kind of distorted view of of Bruce Wayne and and Batman, and then he played Superman as we know Superman and as Superman is meant to be, it would just look completely ridiculous. I just think that it would, it just wouldn't spar well between the two, because it would it just but then don't work. use Superman. Yeah, but argument. well, you can't though, can you? Because if you think about it, you can't. You you couldn't do a, a kind of future version of Batman and not have Superman in it. If you, unless you were going to allude to the fact that Superman is no longer around, it is a great gimmick for someone trying to do a book that did set out to ruffle feathers. I mean, it did, yeah. and that thing going after Superman was was one of the anchor points that used. Because he knew it would piss a lot of people off. And he knew it would, would please a lot of people to see somebody write Superman in a very different way. I don't think it works particularly well. I I, I must admit, you know, as much as I love that kind of dystopian view of, of Bruce Wayne and what he becomes, I don't necessarily like the Superman character in it. I really don't. Um, but I, I don't think it's just quite... That he doesn't get him. I think he does get him. I just think he just wants to completely distort him. And like you say, you know, the Republican kind of overtones and stuff are going to piss most people off. So, but that's just my my opinion. I'm probably wrong, yeah. but... And like I say, if I wasn't so much of a Superman fan, it might not bother me as much as it does. And mm. I might see it a bit more from another, from that point of view, but I just, it just frustrates me. It's... Yeah. But it's it, like when you like you say it smacks, especially once you start looking at later Frank Miller stuff. And again, apologies to Frank Miller fans and people who like him that that you like him is cool. But it's very much you look at later Frank Miller stuff, and it is him going, "What can I do that's going to shock people?" Yeah, and yeah. that that shouldn't be the basis for using a character or building a story. Mm. If you're setting out with the purpose of shocking people, maybe go a different way. <laughs> Well, you're never going to but shock that's anyone. That's just me personally. But let's be honest: you're never going to shock anyone more with Superman than after the death of Superman. No. You know that's that's it. You know you can't top that with anything. I don't think, as far as a story around that character. I don't know what you think, then, but you know, I, somebody said to me, write a shocking story about Superman. It'd be like he never came back after a Doomsday killed him. There you go. That's the story. No, I mean. Yeah, you kind of get it when he kills Zod in the comics. You've got that great self-reflection that you know leads him to the thing where he will absolutely not kill under any circumstances. 
Because mm. he doesn't set out to kill Doomsday, he sets out to stop Doomsday. The fact he kills him is almost an accident. Mm. Because he's not expecting to die. I mean, he knows he might die, but it's not. It's sort of, they know they're both going in for the final blow. But no, Superman certainly, I don't think it's... He sees it as the death blow. He just knows he's got to bring him down. Mm. So I think Miller's a popular one. I think if you ask most super fans, they'd, they'd have Miller on the list. But is there anybody else that you think either mishandles the character or... Is he called Max Land- Landis? Landis? Yeah. American alien? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, sh- he, should be, he, should be, he should be just, like, sent into space. Yeah. I think sort of that late nineties period where they did Superman Red, Superman Blue, I get what they were yeah. trying to do, but that didn't work and I don't think that was well handled. Um What's thing is named Michael Schwiz. Yes. Um I know you mean and whoever did the long walk across America or whatever it's called. That's the one. That's 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 the one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. fucking dreadful. Everybody <laughs> likes to cite up that one panel of him with the just stand flying hovering there with the jumper yeah like not doing anything as like this is what superman is like no that's not what superman yeah. is because you know well he's hovering there and the amount of other shit that's been going down and you've got that whole thing about him dealing with the one problem and then when he says well, what what are you going to do when he just opens up on the other side of the street and superman's like well that's the other side of the street's problem like, that's not fucking superman <laughs> no, i'd, not I'd argue actually scrap possibly slightly above frank miller is that fucking story <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's dreadful it's absolutely dreadful he, again, it's so blue, bad i'd pretty much forgotten about it until then yeah. it <laughs> it's yeah. awful i'm going to sleep angry tonight awful. oh don't go yeah, to it's, sleep it's just somebody luckily, who thinks he gets luckily, superman who doesn't get it at all yeah. luckily for us we've got kind of um matt wade's kingdom come which kind of shows superman in the future and how he should be. Yeah. You know, he's lost everything. He's lost mm. a lot, but he still wants to do the best. He wants to show these upstarts, these anti heroes. That's not how you hero. This yeah. is how you become a hero. You know, and that's. And, and you know, I've watched lots of things and read lots of things with my way. He gets Superman. Yeah. How he's yeah. not writing more Superman is beyond me. We should give him more Superman because he gets it. I know he's a well, little This seems bit to be the thing with DC, doesn't it? Pardon? It's like. It seems to be the thing with DC. It's like, we've got a guy who gets Superman, so we'll keep him on for a little bit, and then we'll just completely fuck it up with the next lot. Yeah. Jim Lee was popular, but Jim Lee's, that whole period of Superman didn't really do it for me either. I must admit, by the late 90s, once Mike Carlin left, as the editor of the Superman comics, I kind of dropped off Superman, I must admit. Not because Mike Carlin left, just because the, there was a noticeable change. Yeah. And I sort of drifted more towards the Kyle Rayner Green Lantern. Yeah. And that sort of became my new Superman fix kind of thing. Because it felt a bit more Superman-y than Superman did. So while we're on the subject of interpretations of Superman that are good and sometimes are terrible, let's think about Superman in the movies um, and TV and stuff. So, you know, as we've mentioned, everyone's had a crack at Superman the comics, it seems, and, and with varied success, there's been some standouts. And I feel it's the same if you look at the, the kind of the film versions of Superman as well. Um, obviously, I was doing a bit of research, and the first person to play Superman was a guy called Kirk Allen. Yeah. Um, and he did two films. I didn't know I didn't know he'd done two. Uh, he did oh, a film called Superman and Superman versus Atom Man. 
Um, More men was great. George Reeves, wasn't it? Yes. And that George Reeves, who yeah. did the TV show. And then obviously we then get into the kind of 70s and, well, what I think is one of the greatest superhero films I, I think ever we can made. all agree that Chris Reeves is the greatest, isn't it? So should we just have yeah. that as a given and maybe talk about others? Is he, though? Yes. Yes, he is. Yeah, I was only joking. Yeah. Um... I was about to hang <laughs> up on you. <laughs> There are other Supermen that I love, but... (laughs) So let's do a quick Christopher Reeve appreciation thread because what a brilliant interpretation of a character he had. And I'll start by saying the reason I think Christopher Reeve was so great is A, he wasn't ridiculously ripped. He just looked like a well-built guy. Um, He carried the suit perfectly. Yeah. And B, he managed to play two completely different characters in Clark Kent yeah. and Supermom. And the only difference between the two of them was a pair of glasses. But he genuinely acted like two different people. And I, I, I still adore that. In fact, I, I love all those kind of Christopher Reeve Superman films with varied levels, but I think they're wonderful. So Superman that's, the movie that's for me. is the definitive Superman movie and the definitive superhero movie. There may be other superhero films that you'll watch more, but Superman mm. the movie is it. And there are things about Superman the movie that I'm not a massive fan of. I really like Margot Kidder as Lois Lane, but I, to me, she doesn't look like Lois Lane. But I love the whole, you know, how do you spell rapist and all that sort of thing. And yeah. you're like, what kind of story is she writing? <laughs> but And as much as I love Gene Hackman, his Lex Luthor is very much a used car salesman Lex Luthor, and, which was sort of the Luther of the time. For me, the best Lex Luthor is the businessman Lex Luthor because right. that's the Lex Luthor that Superman can't beat because when Lex Luthor is a criminal or a deranged scientist, you can just stick him in jail because the public already hate him. Mm. But the businessman Lex Luthor, he's smarter than Superman. Yep. He's got money. He's got people love him. So he's got that popular thing on his side because, you know, he does the charitable stuff and he's the face of Metropolis kind of thing, certainly until Superman comes along. So he's got money, he's got power. Superman can't beat him through his strength. He can't beat him by just taking him to jail because Luther will get out a lot quicker. He was sort of like the ultimate bad guy for Superman because it's not going to come down to a straight slugfest. Because if Superman kills Lex Luthor, he's fucked. Mm. It's a bit like, sort of, to go into it politics slightly, it's a bit like the Trump thing. The f- people who loved Lex Luthor, he could shoot somebody in the street and they'd be like, yeah, it's cool kind of thing and not to imply that you know Lex Luthor is Trump but that was very much what they were going for when they made him a businessman mm. um, by their own admission by the fact that that Lex Luthor biography comic they put out has the art of the deal cover yeah. <laughs> it's just Lex Luthor instead yeah. but that's the best Lex Luthor to me and with the exception of um, the Ruby Spears Superman cartoon and Lois and Clark you've not had that Superman that Lex Luthor on screen and Lois and Clark only had him for a series and then he became the classic you know, evil scientist villain kind of Lex Luthor that we know and love from the golden age. Yeah. So, um, um, so just to throw it over to you, Dan, who is the greatest film Superman and why is it Christopher Reeve? Because <laughs> um, it makes me cry. <laughs> just it, that theme it, music when it kicks in makes me the cry. Whole, the whole kind of, you know, all these powers and I, you know, I couldn't even save him. That entire yep. scene. And then... You know the, the the comedy moments in it. You know, climbing up the the side of a building, and he's like, "Well, lifts are broken," kind of thing. Yeah, you know, bang <laughs> hitting him over the head with a knife. But one of my favorite favorite bits in the whole thing is when he saves the cat from the tree. 
Yeah. And the little you hear the little girl in. get slapped. And you, you, know, you just wouldn't get away with that these days in the movie. Um, yeah. And I, It's I the earnestness of Christopher Reeve as well. Nobody else could pull that off. It, it's very difficult to pull off the line, we're all in this together, Lieutenant. Yeah. Kind of thing. And get away with it. Yeah, and I I I do like I I think Brandon Ralph had, had a bit of a harsh deal because I I think he's I think he he was quite a good Superman and a good yeah. quite quite a good Clark Kent. I just think it was his movie was for a different time. He that was his love letter to Donna, and yeah. people yeah. didn't want don't want that anymore. Um, I think people are getting the same sort of thing from the Wonder Woman movie. They don't want storytelling anymore. They kind of want slugfests. They want mm. girls smashing each other's head in. Well, you know, if you look at Superman, the first movie. How many people does he actually punch? You know, does he yeah. actually yeah. hit anybody? Yeah, he punches anybody, does he? It's not nope, until he's it. got Zod and that to fight in the second yeah. one that he has because a proper. Because they're equals. Yeah, you know, he's, he's he's and even then, he's it's not a case of going up and smacking each other in the face. It's throwing each other against things, throwing things at people. So it's not. And the whole saving people at the same time as. Yeah, yeah so, the whole you know know the people kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, That's... and so. You, People say like the, the 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 Superman Returns movie. Well, he doesn't hit anyone. Well, neither did Christopher Reeve in the first mm. Superman movie. You know, and mm. it is, and, and the music is beautiful. You know, the the John Williams music. Yeah. And the fact that the music actually says Superman. Yeah. Is, is just genius. Yeah. Um. I I and I do I you know I quite like Lois and Clark. I quite like. I love Lois and Clark. I'll, I I'll I love the kind of Kent stuff. That's so much part of the story. Yeah. Um. And the, the, again, the scene that I'll be loving though is when he puts the suit on. And he goes, um, "It's a bit tight because they won't they won't be looking, you know, be looking at other things." So and he's like, "Mom," which, which is kind of creepy when you realise it's his mum. <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of I kind of like the fact that they, they bounce each other off, like you know, and they are pinnacle to the story. I I I'm not a big fan of Smallville, right? Because um, all Jonathan Kent does is, is shout at his kid constantly, and if you know, it's it's not very 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 good, really. Mm. Um, I can't, and we waited ten years for him to put a suit on, which he never did. Um, he puts on Brandon Rice's suit. <laughs> he does, yeah, for like two seconds. But I do like the fact they have the the, the, the John Williams score at the end. Yeah. Um, I like the radio show. I like the nineteen forties radio show. Yeah. Um, because again, it's it's the golden age for me, and it's the first time you hear someone goes, "This is a job for Superman," and his voice changes. You know, he's a yeah. different person. Yeah. You know, uh, Ken and Superman are two different people. And the, the Fisher cartoon, you know, the the the, the original cartoon stuff. I also yeah, like yeah. Justice League Unlimited with Superman. I think he's brilliant in it. Um, and Superman the animated series it. was great as well. Yeah. Um, when he's fighting Darkseid, and he goes, "You know, I I spent all my time." holding back but you can take it can't you, can't you dark side and he properly go at it mm. i liked i like the fact that he's, he's he's acknowledging the fact that oh you know he has to be careful he doesn't want, don't want to put somebody in the face and you know disintegrate <laughs> them but he knows dark side can get it so he goes for him um i like i like man of steel what you know it's do you i well i do and i don't do I, I i think there's elements i like him i think he's a good superman I do, I and think, I think, in as much as it's maligned, I think his Superman in Justice League is the Superman he should have played all along. I, I was gonna say the same thing. The the bit in in Justice League where his suit's a lot brighter and he flies down and he goes, "Excuse me, miss, is this is this man bothering you?" That's Superman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for due to, and I kind of like that. There there are scenes in it which are a little bit over the top, but it's it's 
I don't know. I like the flying scene when he first flies because he, he looks like he's enjoying it. It looks like he's having a bit of fun. See, that left me cold. I I, I get why people I like, like it, but... I like I like the suit in it as well. I like a big S. I don't like Brendan Routh's S. It's tiny. I like I like a big S. Yeah, it bothers me. Same with Batman. I like I like a big bat signal as well. I mm. kind of like Batflick's bat. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. You, you know, you, you stick an S on a turd, I'd watch it. I've watched Super Pup, for fuck's sake. You know, I've watched loads <laughs> of stuff. You, you, literally, you put an S on it, I will record it, watch it, sit on it, eat it, wipe me bum with well, it. I'm just shocked that neither of you cited Batman vs. Superman as uh, your favourite. <laughs> oh, I'm going to come on to it when it's my turn. When it's my turn, <laughs> I'm going to come on to it, don't worry. Because, again, you know, I, I think you're right. I think, I don't know whether it's the world we live in and it's the expectations of audiences and, and you know, studios. It's the Nolan effect. Yeah. And do you know what? I'm going to say something really possibly controversial is that I can't even sit through the Nolan Batman films. They bore me to death. They just bore me to death. I just think, you know, and and everything that he seems to do is just overblown. And I just can't be bothered with it. You have to go one way or the other. You either set it in reality and have everything set in reality, or you don't. And the Nolan movies can't make its mind up. Yeah. Um, And that's, I think that's a bit of the problem with The Man of Steel. You have to go one way or the other way, and you, you kind of fall in the middle. You want a bit of angst. But you don't want a bit of angst. You want him doing this, but you don't want him doing this. Mm. So it's it, it falls in the middle of something. So it's neither what anyone's expecting. So you end the, up just picking scenes out that you like. Like I, you know, in Man of Steel, I quite quite like the stuff with Jarell in and mm. the conversation about who we are. It means hope and this that, and the other. And I like Amy Adams as as Lois Lane. I can't stand Kidder as Lois Lane. Really. Yeah, See, I like I like Kidder's Lois oh, Lane. It, the best that, thing I've no, seen I've, I've got to agree. The best thing I've seen her in is Black Christmas because she gets killed in it. Maybe it's an age thing then. Maybe it's because I'm a little bit older. But I, I do like Lois Lane, played yeah. by Margot I, Kidder. It's got that edge to it that I liked. Terry, Terry I, I like her as Lois Lane, but she's not the Lois Lane I picture in my head. For me, mm. the best on-screen Lois Lane is Terry Hatcher. Yeah, she's not yeah, perfect, yeah, but yeah. that's my... Yeah. Thing with Man of Steel, with the whole hope stuff, that'd be awesome. You keep telling me it means hope, but you're not showing me it means hope. No, yeah, so fucking bleak. The problem with Man of Steel and Batman v Superman is that you've got comic book movies directed by a guy who visually I can't fault him. Beautiful visuals in it, Mm. there's some stunning stuff in it. Um, but then he's only seems to have read Watchmen and then skimmed through. Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns, and then skimping through some other Superman comics and going, that looks quite cool. He doesn't understand it. No. Because he's just, he's put a Watchmen spin on Superman, and that doesn't fucking work, because that's yeah. not Superman. Yeah. And, that, and that's what I mean about falling falling in the middle. It, it, it's, it's basically, Man of Steel is it's a movie of set pieces around a, around yeah. a, a, few, a few kind of little things that link them all together. It's destruction porn. Smallville yeah. gets fucking leveled. Metropolis <laughs> gets leveled. It's basically how much can Superman destroy through fist fights and the power of dubstep. <laughs> That's all it fucking is. <laughs> yeah, give him a ladder, a collapsible it's, it's ladder, ironic. and he'd destroy the world, wouldn't he? Because there's nothing you can't destroy with a ladder. In in the same year Man of Steel came out, a small British comedy called Super Bob came out, and that got Superman infinitely more in one scene than Man of Steel did. Um, like Den, there are things in Man of Steel that I like. Mm. The whole um, can I carry on pretending to be your son and then Park Kent says you are my son. Even in the trailer I was like, oh fucking hell. 
yeah. And I well up at that. I still well up when I talk about it. It's a beautifully acted bit by the kid and by Costner. Mm. And then you've also got the other Costner stuff that's just like, like he holds his hand up not to be saved. It's like, fuck off. Mm. There's a bit in Super Bob where he arrives at the scene of an accident and the woman behind the car, they're like the paramedics are like, no, there's nothing we can do. And you just see it on his face. It's the whole thing again of, you know, all these powers and I couldn't save her kind of thing. But it's just such a beautiful take on that. And then you juxtapose it with the Kevin Costner, you know, can't save me. People will see. It's like, fuck off. He's Superman. He could find a way to do it. But it's, it's the most ridiculous, pointless death of a character. And, 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 and it's, I don't even have a problem with him snapping Zod's neck because in the comics, that's accurate because he mm. kills Zod and the others in the comic. All right. They retconned it again. And that was the whole point of Superman taking the way the, you know, I'll never kill kind of thing. That's where that code came from, because he was just so ridden with guilt about it. That's why the death in the Donna Superman works, because he cannot yeah. stop that. There's no. nothing Superman, apart from super running to a hospital, which may or may not save him. There's nothing he can do about that. Or spinning it's... the earth backwards and yeah, taking him well, before it happens. Yeah, but, but... That... <laughs> yeah, we won't, we won't talk about it because it didn't technically happen, did it? It was, you know, Donna's kind of someone else finished it, didn't they? But he, he technically couldn't do anything to stop that. Were the the Costner one? Yeah, he could find a way. He's Superman for Christ's sake. He mm. could have found a way of doing it. Were an act of God, you know, something that he couldn't physically do. And you know, te- technically, also by the time he comes back to his dad in in the, in, in the Donna film, he's dead anyway. Yeah. So you know, and that sums it all up. And all these powers, I couldn't do anything. Where Costner is just like, I've got my foot stuck. You, you know. Yeah. Just, just stay there. It's and by the time he comes back to Metropolis, everybody knows he's fucking Superman anyway. Yeah. Because yeah. you got the guy in the eye hop that looks at him and is just kind of, yeah, it's me. Why? Why do you think it is so difficult for people to replicate that on-screen kind of Superman that we all want to see? Because we all want to see know, it. Because there are great Supermen. I'm gonna. One of my like the definitive one of the definitive aside from Christopher Reeve on screen Superman, the one I grew up with was Lois and Clark. I fucking adored Lois and Clark. I loved Dean Kane as Superman. The dude's a fucking Trump supporting knobhead in real life. Yeah, and I can't follow him on Twitter anymore, which breaks my heart because I loved him as Superman. The reason I wear glasses is because I didn't have to wear glasses all the time, but I was so in love with his Clark Kent. Not in you know a sexual way maybe a little bit um and that's kind of what i wanted to be that's why i sort of became a writer yeah. as well as an artist kind of thing yeah. was and i absolutely love that and i never got it when i first watched it because his is the only he superman's the disguise and i never got why he appears wearing glasses before he's superman mm. and then it all sort of clicked into me that because he had all these powers the kents decided to give him something so it looked like he wasn't perfect yeah so they gave him the glasses so it looked like yeah. that he had a deficiency, for want of a better term. Not mm. to imply that anybody with glasses is deficient kind of thing. And I love that little touch about it. And this whole thing's in that pilot of Lois and Clark. There's some beautiful sort of Superman moments. The way he goes into the theatre to let the woman do a performance before they demolish it and all that sort of thing. And when he goes to the party, is Clark Kent. And Lex mm. Luthor tells him that he has the tallest building in Metropolis because he loves the idea of people looking up to him. And then at the end, when Superman goes to see Lex, and he's like, I know you're a fucking criminal. And just before he flies off, he goes, oh, and Luther, if you ever need me, just look up. Being like, you're not the top dog in Metropolis anymore. Which is kind of a dickish thing, but at the same time, it's just really nicely done. It's kind of a Superman move. Mm. And um, just that whole... That show was perfect. Perry White was perfect. I loved the first Jimmy Olsen. The second one did his thing, but it was a bit more that 90s kid kind of thing. Yeah. 
Uh, like I say, Terry Hatcher for me was the definitive Lois Lane. There are issues with her Lois Lane, like the same as there are issues with his Clark Kent. He's a bit of a dick sometimes, kind of thing. Um, I love Tracy Scoggins as um, Cat Grant, who just mysteriously disappeared. John Shea as Lex Luthor is superb. Like I say, short of the Ruby Spears Superman cartoon that only ran for one series in the late 80s, that I think we had on the Cartoon Network over here, or the Children's Channel. I remember seeing it as a kid, mm. but anyway, that was John Byrne Superman put into a comic, into mm. a cartoon, sorry. Um, that was superb. Like I say, Lane Smith's Perry White is probably my favourite Perry White. It's everything that character should have been. John Chase Lex Luthor, and like Den said, Marm Pa Kent. Superb casting, excellently played, and the way, like in the comics when they were alive, the way they were used to anchor Superman. It was brilliant, and they were there for comic relief when they needed to be as well. Um, like I said, I just loved that series. It went off the rails after series two, particularly. Mm. Um, but it also sort of went a bit more comic booky in that they started doing crazy shit that didn't always play. Yeah. Like Dan, it took me a long time to like Smallville. I had to learn to accept Smallville for its own thing. And then once I did and sort of looked at it more as an Elseworlds kind of thing, I kind of got into it. It's dumb as shit in places. And then I. Didn't like Superman Returns initially. It, again, it took me a long time to sort of accept it. But there's some absolutely beautiful stuff in that. And my big problems with it is that it's just creepy stalker Superman for a ch- chunk of it. Yeah. Mm. And um, like Kevin Smith pointed out, because it follows on from Superman 2, but at the end of Superman 2, he wipes her memory kind of thing. There's no point where Lois Lane's like, when when did we have sex? Because I don't remember it, and I'm feeling a little bit violated about it. I thought Spacey, as problematic as he is now, was good as Lex Luthor, even if it was in the Gene Hackman, used car salesman kind of vein. Um, I think it's a shame we've not had a proper businessman Lex Luthor villain on the big screen, because I'm ignoring whatever the fuck they were trying to do in Batman v Superman. (laughs) Terrible, wasn't it? Um, And Superman the Animated Series was great, and that have you ever seen the Batman Superman animated movie that was no. done with the animated series? The There's Batman? a great bit in that where um, Lois Lane's on a plane and it's getting hijacked. Like, who are you? And she's like, Lois Lane. They're like, that Lois Lane. And she's like, yeah. And then you see the look on their face like, fuck, he's coming. And then Superman appears and it's just a perfect Superman moment. It's like they get Superman. Mm. And that's what I like. I mean, Bruce Tim. The whole Batman animated series was inspired by the Fleischer yeah. Superman cartoons, that style. So as much as I think his Batman animated series is better than the Superman animated series, there's some great moments in Superman animated series that feel like Superman. Yeah. I'm not a fan of Man of Steel. I think we've sort of covered that enough, really. Um, I quite like the Superman on Supergirl. There's some great Superman moments in that, like where he first arrives at the secret agents thing and he's going around and he's greeting all the soldiers that were there by name it's like that's just a nice little superman moment his suit's fucking awful in it it's got weird clips for his his new one's better his new one is better yeah i'm mixed feelings on that show i'll watch it because like you say put an s on a turd and i'll watch it but because it's very much going from the lois and superman have two kids kind of thing and playing it that way and they've done the jimmy olsen thing in supergirl so you're not gonna have the jimmy olsen angle in this superman series i kind of think would have liked it to have gone in with a clean slate but like i say i'll watch it those trouble with those cw shows is they tend to do one great season and then it goes off the rails what about iron giant have you seen iron, iron giant yes i love iron giant 
Superman. It's a Superman movie. It? it is a Superman movie. It is, yeah. It's beautifully played as well. That's another. Yeah. That's the other thing, yeah. There are great Superman movies that don't have Superman in it. Like, say, Super Bob, the um, Brett Goldstein film, um, which is on Amazon Prime for anybody who wants to check it out. Um, it's very much a comedy, but it's got some beautiful Superman moments in it. It's basically he's a postman who gets hit by something and develops superpowers, but it's as if he works for the government, so he can save people on any any day of the week apart from a Tuesday because that's his day off. But um, like I say, it's got some brilliant Superman moves in it. Iron Giant's a great Superman move. He actually puts um, an S on his chest, doesn't he? Yeah, See, uh, again, I, that I have, captures Superman. <laughs> yeah, and I have, I have, I have. A, a small theory why I think the animation stuff gets it better yeah. is because they're not trying to please anyone. Yeah. No. They're not trying to please a mass audience. They're not trying to claw back a billion dollar budget. Um, and it was left well, no. up to the creators to do it. So the, the best bits for me have always been animation. The best the best Batman for me is animation. A Mask of the Phantasm. Mm-hmm. The, the, yeah. You know, in my psyche, when you think about apart from probably Tim Burton's Batman, it goes back to the animated series. All the mm. boy when I'm reading Batman, the voices in my head are the ones of the cartoon. Yeah, um, that's it. I think the same with Justice League Unlimited and all that kind of stuff. And um, it, it, they're not trying to please anyone, so you can have those little moments, and you can have the moments when Batman and Superman kind of figure out who each other are, you know, and Superman kind of dangles a little bit of kryptonite in front of them. Oh, there we go. I, I know. I know things. Because they're not, they're allowed to, they're allowed to do yeah. it because it was just like off your pop, do what you want to do, and the fans. Mm. I think it's very important to, to let fans of people who know the character and again go back to Matt Wade. He's a fan; he knows yeah. the character. That's because with the cartoons, the only people they need to appeal to is an audience that doesn't exist yet because it's aimed at kids. So yeah, that's all they're the appealing stuff, to. Can't you? As yeah. long as you've got and bright it colors. just happenstance that adults loved it. And yeah. it, it's interesting that you talk about films that aren't about Superman, but are essentially Superman films or within that kind of Superman elsewhere. So, I mean, we recently watched um, Brightburn and I love that. You know, I thought it was a great film. And all I could think was this would, you know, if this was kind of like one of those those Elseworld kind of Superman stories, it'd be absolutely sensational. You know, if his moral compass doesn't bring him back at the end. No, it doesn't. But I like that, though. That's the thing. Yeah, because don't forget, the point isn't that, you know, that's a bit that's no, the issue no, I, I had with that. Red Sun, actually. You know, when he kind of flips it, I'm thinking, but there's this element of, like you pointed out earlier on the conversation, that the Kents gave, um, you know, Superman his moral compass, really. As good as he may be, at the end of the day, they instilled that in him. And actually, if you, if you, that was absent from his youth, I don't think he would naturally just suddenly flip. Because people don't, we know that people don't do that. Yeah. Who could do that? And that's what I liked about this kind of view of, you know, what if it really did go completely tits up, and you've got the most powerful thing on the planet that essentially you can't stop. And what do you do? And I, I, I just found it a genuinely interesting. And I wouldn't say you know, it wasn't Superman, but I just loved that that kind of take on on what was obviously. Superman character and and completely inverting it without redeeming it at the end. I mean, I fucking hate when they redeem things because they feel yeah. they have to. Don't. No, no, it fitted the story that it mm. wasn't. It didn't redeem it. Um, that, like I say, I'm aware of it. I've read about it. I've seen bits of it. I just it didn't click with me partly because it's the subverting of the Superman thing, and partly because the main thing is about a kid 
and I always struggle with stuff involving kids, especially when it's anything where mm. I don't know. I know what I mean, but I can't put it into words. Yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. But, but it's, certainly, if you if you do ever feel like giving it a go, it's definitely worth a watch. I mean, it's not not the greatest thing ever, but it's, I, it's an I, interesting. I've seen it. I watched it, um, and for me, it's, it's Zod gets sent instead of Kalel. Yeah, yeah. Um, but going going back to the Kents, you know about the more compass. I completely get that, but in the nail, the Kents haven't brought him up, but he still does the right thing. Yeah, you know in. And in and well divided, the Kents have nothing to do with him. Yet he's done the right thing. Yeah, you know the uh, uh, the Kents are very very important. I I love they need to be in the comics. They mm. need to be part of his life. They need to be that place, that home, the the apple pie. That's what he needs, and you know he, he, that's what he needs in it. But I I, I he, he's just naturally good. I think he has that. I think he's born. God, he's you know what's it you know in Jarell and Superman you know amongst anything this why I sent them you my son you know I sent yeah. them you because you are you are good you are from you come from good place you've come from good people you are good and that's why you've been sent here to guide the people but yeah I I don't know I'll watch anything with, with Superman I I reservation about the, the new TV show because of the family thing I think it's going to be a bit like some sort of comedy CW crap which just annoy will annoy me but i like mm. i like him i think he's a good superman and the same with the with the, super, with the supergirl series there's lots of little things i like it when they were flying together and he calls a cuz you know you know yeah that kind of stuff um and i think he i think he's good i liked him in the crisis when he's fighting brendan routh's kingdom come superman and stuff i kind of like see i love brandon Routh's kingdom come superman that was sort of the yeah. first proper glimpse of what brandon Routh could have done if he wasn't mm, living yeah. in the shadow of christopher reeve yeah. I think that yeah, was the huge thing that struck, you know, yeah. handed an anchor to his performance was that it's kind of like yeah. you gotta be Christopher Reeveish about it. There's some fantastic bits in Superman Returns. Yeah, I mean, it looks. I mean, again, Brian Singer's problematic too, but it visually looks stunning. Say like the costume, I don't like the small S, but I quite like the rest of the costume as a mm. whole. And I can live with the small S. I don't like the rubber cape, but yeah, there. There are fantastic bits in that bit where he's floating in space, just listening. Yeah, yeah. I fucking love, I love that. that. Yeah, I love it. I like the bit when he takes Lois up and he says, "You know, you, the world doesn't need Superman. Why do I need? Why? Why do I hear every day people crying out for one?" And I think that yeah. resonates today. Going back to our original point, why Superman is important. I think right now, as we are right now on the thirteenth of the yeah. first twenty twenty one, we need a Superman. Yeah, we need an idea. I get so angry when I see people misappropriating Superman as well. Like yeah. say with Dean Cain, where people are like, "Oh, you really are a true Superman." It's like, no, he's fucking not. No, he fucking isn't. No. George Reeves, when he realised the impact he would have as Superman, stopped smoking in public. Yeah, because yes. he didn't want to promote Superman smoking, even when he was in his plain clothes. Yeah, uh, Christopher Reeve very much never turned his back on the fact he was Superman. He didn't try and get away from that. He played different characters in films. He wasn't Superman in every film, but his persona, he knew that he would always be. He, it's the kind of thing, it's like if once you play James Bond, you know that when you die, it, the first line is going to be James Bond actor. Yeah, It's always going to be Superman actor Christopher Reeve kind of thing. And he knew that and he took that on. And if you ever read his book after he broke his back and all about the recovery and that, the dude is like fucking Superman. Mm. He doesn't have yes. the powers. He's mm. in a... He's in a wheelchair, but he is still Superman. 
I mean, I can only go from things I've read in his book and things I've heard people say about him. He might have been a massive bellend. I highly doubt it, but it's possible. But he very much embodied Superman. And I think that's why it hurts so much for Dean Cain. But it's like when I see Trump fucking saying his plan when he came out of the COVID hospital was to rip his shirt open and have a Superman emblem on his chest. But if I was DC, I would sue your fucking ass. It's like, you are not fucking Superman. And the misappropriation of Superman and the misunderstanding of Superman, it really winds me up. I know, I know. I get really angry about it. And with with what you're saying there about um, you know about about Chris Reeve and stuff, when you would have watched the documentary when when Richard Donner's talking about him and about how he was after his accident and stuff, and he, he gets upset about it. He says, you know, I find it really hard to talk about him because he he did become Superman. Yeah. Um, he did become the, the, the you know no superpowers, you know, you know no movement below his neck, but he still charity work. He still went out there. He yeah. still did the he still the Christopher Reeve Foundation. He, yeah, he did. The, he was the. You best. can tell he's good he that DC let him put be. the Superman yeah. logo on the Christopher Reeve Foundation yeah. merchandise. Yeah, he was, I bought he was the, the dog tags. He, he was superb, and um, I mean, the story goes that when he was in Smallville, obviously, sadly, he died before he could finish his thing. But um, Margot Kidder said that she refused to go back because it was going to turn out that Christopher Reeve's character was the villain. That was going to be what it was. He was going to turn out to be the villain of that series, and Margot Kidder was like, "No, fuck that shit." Mm. It's like you can't do that to him. No. It's like you know people won't accept it, and it's not who he was. You can't have him be the villain, and that's spot on. That was my big thing with Smallville was that they didn't respect the legacy of what had come before, which is evident in that plan to what they were going to do with Christopher Reeve and the fact they brought in Dean Kane for just kind of like a throwaway thing. Which you know now fuck Dean Kane, but then kind of like the dude was Superman too. You should have treated him with a bit more respect. Yeah. So what I liked about Supergirl is that they very much honoured what had gone before. So they brought in Dean Cain as Supergirl's dad. They even gave him that great line of nobody knows more about Superman than me. And you're like, yeah, and now you see him now. And you're like, fuck off. But um, one other Superman adaption that I feel I should say is the BBC Radio ones, which had um, Stuart Milligan as Superman, who yes. you may know if yeah. you ever watched Jonathan Creek. Um, he was the magician in Jonathan Creek that Jonathan right. Creek worked for. His Superman is the Superman I hear in my head. Uh, Lorelai King's Lois Lane is, when I read that, like Weary Box on the distance, hers is the voice I hear. Um, it was spot on. It was um, Dirt Mags. They did Superman on trial first for Superman's 50th. Then they adapted the John Byrne Man of Steel and the first few issues after that as one series. And then they did Superman Doom's Name Beyond as the other. Right. And it's spot on. You had William Hookins, it was yeah. Por- uh, Porkins in Star Wars as Lex Luthor. And his voice for Lex Luthor is superb. He even does the Australian Lex Luthor as well when he gets cloned and pretends to be his own son. Brilliant. And um, he delivers the gotcha speech when he's talking to Superman's dead body about, um, um, yeah, the gotcha speech. It's fucking superb. And you hear him go from the Australian accent back into the original Lex Luthor voice as the bile builds in him and just the whole frustration of his Lex Luthor realising that he hates Superman but he needs him to save the day both at the end of Adventures of and Doomsday and Beyond um, it's beautifully done put together it's a shame they didn't do more series but they did that then Batman Nightfall then a couple of Judge Dredd and then the yeah, Superman the comic book thing you can get them all can't you you can mm. get them all on CD and stuff you can. Some I've of them got, are trickier to track down than others, but I've got the Batman uh, um, Nightfall, and I've got the Doomsday and Beyond. Yeah, Doomsday and Beyond, superb. Like I say, the Adventures of Superman one is great as well. Um, I didn't even know that Superman on Trial was a thing until they started releasing them on CD. But growing up in 
like the early 90s, I didn't have a telly in my room, so the comics and the audio things were all I had to relive Superman. And occasionally when my parents fucked off out, I could watch Lois and Clark that I'd taped off the telly. I had the whole first series on video cassettes that I'd taped off the telly. Well, I'm I'm introducing um, Amy. Um, last year we started watching Lois and Clark from the beginning. She loves it. Very good. So, so get them get get them addicted young, Damien. Yeah, you know, super anything. Yeah, anything like With all that in mind, then, and um, with all the knowledge that you guys have, and all your comics knowledge as well. I mean, let's go on to our last question, which would be: if you could put together any creative team to do a Superman book, who would it be, and what would it be about? So, you got a thirty-second pitch here to tell us who's on it, and what's the uh, the summary of the the story. And we'll start with you, Den. Oh, I don't know. I just um, it'd be uh, Gazi Lopez, um, John Byrne, um, Matt Wade, and um, probably Dan Yorga. Yep. You said I can't. I can never say his name. Jurgens. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Bendis. Guess writing a little bit. Um, I would like. Um, I don't know. Maybe. 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 Superman losing his powers for a bit and being Clark and still wanting to do good. Still going at it. Mm. They've, they've touched on it a few times, but you know, take take everything off him and get him just being the the normal everyday guy. And he's still trying to go out there and still trying to be Superman and still trying to be the best thing he can. Um, I wouldn't use any of the main villains. I wouldn't use stuff like um, Brainiac or anyone like that. Um, I'd probably use Parasite. I like Parasite. I think he's underused. I like Parasite. Um, so I'd probably bring Parasite into it. That could be how we could lose lose his powers. Um, and in the end, he gets them all back, kicks some ass, and goes and has um, a nice um, cup of coffee and um, apple pie with um, his parents. Good stuff. What about you, Stu? Uh, I mean, largely the same. I'd have Mike Carlin as the editor um, from that whole Super Summit thing. I love... Have you ever seen the Death of Superman documentary? Um yes. Where they talk about the impact of the comic. Those yeah. That footage of the whole... Super Summit thing where Roger Stern is just kind of like, was it Jerry Ordway? Whichever one it was, is like, let's just kill him. I'm like, yeah, yeah let's, let's kill him. They all go, really? Laugh, let's do it. <laughs> it was like, this This was the only time they were like, yeah, let's kill him. <laughs> but that whole thing of having years worth of story up on the wall, um, I would have loved to have been. I mean, that era of comics doesn't exist anymore. It's all fucking over Skype and they live in different parts of the country and all that sort of thing. Mm. but to have been a fly on the wall in one of those meetings, if I could go back to any point in time and anywhere, that'd be where I'd go. And they'd be like, the fuck's that dude doing here? But yeah, so Mike Carlin on editing, um, Dan Jurgens and Brett Breeding on art. Um, writing, Bendis, uh, Jurgens did some writing as well, I think, if I remember rightly, I might be wrong. Um, Louis Simonson, um, you have to have Kurt Swan in there. I take it we can have anybody from any time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and story-wise, I'd like to see, um, not necessarily the origins again, but just clean up the timeline, bring back the Kents, mm. and maybe start it again with a contemporary Superman starting from the beginning. I think there is an interesting story to tell there that can be done, that can be relevant. I don't think it has to be. It's why a new TV series would have been perfect starting from the ground up. Kind of things you don't necessarily want to do it in comics anymore. Although I don't think it hurts to reboot comics every so often. I know yeah. it's much a much maligned thing, 
But I think maybe every 10 years or so, it doesn't hurt to do a hard reboot. Because it just gets in such a mess where you get one creative team come in and then the next creative team undermines what the previous creative team did and then does it all or something popular happens on the TV series. So they then make it that Superman Mm. grew up with Lex Luthor in Smallville because that's what's happening on TV. And you're like, really? Why? Kind of thing. Um, But yeah, I think, like I say, and have some of the stories where, like the um, Crisis at Hand story um you know where he's got the superpowers but he can't stop his neighbor from getting beaten by a boyfriend kind of thing not necessarily that specific story but mm. takes on variations on that that all the stuff he can do there's still the stuff he can't do um that's interesting to me and just superman being good maybe a story where he just wanders across america and <laughs> deals with that problem there but not that one over there because that's over there's problem he smiles at people's jumpers yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's, I'd forgotten about that story, Dan. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, I'm sorry. You. I'm sorry I had to bring that back up, but it is it's just. He's going to be angry all night now. Isn't he? I'm sorry. It is terrible. <laughs> like I say, terrible. it's even worse for the fact that people take panels out of context from it and hold it up yeah, as this yeah. is what yeah. Superman it's what they is. Do though, isn't it? They, they look at the not... covers. Look at the covers and think, yeah, that that's it. Yeah. You know, he's he's there's a, you know he's got his arms around people. Oh yeah, that's Superman inside. He goes, no, I'm not doing that. It's fine. But... That's Superman. I read a Buzzfeed article on him. (laughs) So one one last question I'll throw at you. That's that's an extra question. Then very quickly, if you could recommend anyone who's never read Superman to read a Superman, it could be an issue or an arc um, or a story. What would it be? And we'll start with you, Den again. Yeah, Doomsday, Doomsday, funeral for a friend, and reign of the Superman. Scoop. I can't fault that logic. To be honest, that's the perfect one to go in on. That's the one that got me hooked. I'd probably, I, think, I would agree, but I would have stopped after Funeral for a Friend. See, no, see, I've, Reign of I've Superman's good. Yeah, I'm not, 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 I'm not um, saying it isn't. I just, I wouldn't. That would it's be not it perfect, but it gives you different takes on what Superman mm, yeah. could have been and makes I, you realise that you want the main one. Plus, need, it's got that awesome Council of, of War thing. The return, the returns better because of the Reign of the Superman. And I've literally um, last couple of weeks, one of my customers, um, Paul, he's um, bought the graphic novel. Um, the Death and Return of Superman, and then he's gone and bought off me the um, stories afterwards. So, um, Hunter and Prayer and them lot. So, and he he read it like constantly straight through. Yeah, they did a so. nice five book series, didn't they? Of that, they yeah. did it with the yeah, Batman they... Nightfall ones as well. A nice set. Well, that the spine a big, makes up a picture. A big hardback Death and Return. Oh, I nice wanted that, but it was cost so much. I couldn't yeah, justify buying in... it for like a fifth time. Yeah, nice embossed cover and this and the other. So he's bought that, and then he's he's bought the paperback of, of all the kind of supplement stories and Fantastic. things. Fantastic. But um, Burns yeah. Man of Steel as well is worth checking out. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't hold up as much as I remember it, to be fair. As yeah, and it, the, the Bendis, the the Bendis run, the the first um, graphic from the Bendis run. So you've got Man of Steel, what he wrote, which is it's, yeah, it's not a it's not a coincidence. That's what they did. The Man of Steel, then they went into the Superman yeah. books. The first run from that is a good jumping on point. It reestablishes a bit of the law, reestablishes kind of origin story, and it's and. He just writes characters really, really well. So yeah, even even that, I, I would say the Bendis for modern kind of readers who who know Bendis and the stuff he did on Marvel. Brilliant. Some great of the Elseworld stuff. stuff as well. Cal. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cal's great. Cal's brilliant. Um, Red Sun. Um, Red World, Sun. World at War's great as well. The Civil War one is brilliant. I also like Frankenstein. The the, um, the Frankenstein one, Superman Monster, which is part of the part of a trilogy with um, Castle. Is it Castle of the Bar? I think so. It's a, yeah. bit of a bit of a horror thing, yeah. Excellent. That's great stuff, guys. And um you know, I think we've had a, a 
pretty good delve into the world of Superman there and all the various forms, good and bad. So much appreciate your time. It's been, uh, I hope you've enjoyed it as well. I always enjoy talking to Superman. So. Great Superman, stuff. Superman, what, what? This, is <laughs> this is how I would like to spend most of my evenings. Brilliant. Yeah. This is so, how I do. The wife just glazes over them. Yeah. So, yeah, so same just, here. She just looks at me. Yeah. You're still here. <laughs> so just turning away to uh, your own personal projects then, and obviously, you know, as we record this, we're, well, I don't know what version of lockdown we're in at the moment, but it's just, you know, it's a constant hell. So um, you're keeping yourselves creative. So do you want to give listeners a little idea of maybe some upcoming projects or things that you're, you're working on at the moment? So we'll start with you, Stuart. Um, yeah, I've just come off of drawing every day for a year. So I'm sort of developing a few different ideas. I've got an idea. Um, I like to try doing different things with comics. So I've sort of done a superhero one. Didn't really work. I've done a couple of things. I'm trying to do like a rom-com comic kind of thing. Sort of. Right. Just because I like trying to do different things. And I quite like rom-coms. Lois and Clark was a rom-com, let's face it. It just happened to have Superman mm-hmm. in it. Um, so I've got that idea that I'm batting around. And then I'm doing the podcast again. So the first new episode of Nerds Who Haunt Themselves with me and Andy went up Excellent. today as we record this. Yep. And uh, Y Comics is coming back, the first one. I should, touch wood, barring any major disasters, be recording tomorrow with Alan Anderson. Oh, great. And um, that should be up not this Wednesday, the Wednesday after. Um, I want to get back up to a weekly schedule at some point, but until I want to get a few episodes banked, so it'll probably be fortnightly for now. And then, and yeah, um, as we talked about at the beginning, Comic-Con-wise, I don't know where we're at with that, so I can't commit to anything right now, unfortunately. Um, I think we possibly are looking at 2023 for the next one, which breaks my heart, because, you know, yeah, yeah, I love doing it, and I love going to cons, and I love being there. Um and yeah, just ticking away at a couple of different comic ideas. I've got a couple that I need to get scanned in and then done up digitally, ready to dump on Comic House. And do you want to give people um, ideas where they can find your stuff, links to your webs, social media, yeah, things um, like that? You can find me on Twitter as at TokenNerd. Uh, my art page on Facebook is uh, Stuart Thinks He Can Draw, or if you just put in facebook.com forward slash Stuart Can't Draw. And the pin tweet and the pin post on both of those will take you to everywhere else you can find my art, um, if you feel so inclined. And then Nerds Who Haunt Themselves is either through the True Believers website, which is OKTrueBelievers.com, uh, on Twitter as at Haunted Nerds, or on Facebook as, if you just search Nerds Who Haunt Themselves, or I think it's Facebook.com forward slash um, Haunted Nerds, I think. Oh, and Instagram for my art is Stuart Thinks He Can Draw. And so... Great podcast. If anybody listening to this hasn't listened to Nerds in, in the various um, formats that it comes out, they should do. It is fun. They even had me on there um, when he's been desperate. But, uh, um, I'll be desperate again soon. Check out Stuart's artwork as well, because if you look at the progression of his artwork, I was talking about this before, but the progression of his artwork when he started drawing every day to when he finished is, is incredible. It's, it shows that, um, like all of us, the, the more you practice and the more you do, the better you get. So well done on that, Stuart. It's a real, real effort, that mate. Thank you. It was a real effort. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was good. It was good. Not just about, to look at. <laughs> I'll give over. What about you, Dan? Um, I'm recording podcast with Spider Dam. You are. Balls. So I'm 
going to be a regular guest on there. I'm recording Brilliant. on Friday. We're recording, um, looking at the first five slasher movies with the class of slashers. I'm going to go through the tropes and stuff, what makes it makes a good slasher movie. And then Ooh. we're going to defend um, Baywatch movie, but that's another story. Um, so we're um, recording them on Friday. Um, also doing the Educom. I'm going to try to get back on that. There's quite a few schools would like uh, myself, Dan, and some artists and writers to go into schools and start spreading the word of why we should read comics. Brilliant. Um, awesome. And there's going to be a video um, released, uh, I think it's in a f- I think it's next week or the week after, with the first sessions all recorded and up there with loads of sound and things. So, um, And just basically giving away comics. I've given away 4,000 comics last year to schools and to groups and this and the other and graphics and things just to get people reading comics. That's so awesome. my my main mission in life is to get people reading comics. I can't draw. I'm a I can write a little bit. I'm a bit of a writer, so I've, I'm doing some little bits of things, but nothing. Mm-hmm. Just kind of passing the time. My main my main thing is doing the podcast and getting people to read comics. Fantastic. And again, um, do you want to give people an idea where they can find out more about um, what you're doing or uh, some of the things that you talked about? Yeah, um, um, Educon for anyone interested in a school project. So it's educon.com. Um, and on there are all the links to um, signing up for it and um, the kind of videos and the, the kind of stuff that we're going we're gonna to be doing um, and Spider, Spider Dan and the Secret Balls um, it's on Podbean and all the usual places plus he's got a website and stuff like that so um, the main, you know it, I'm not as creative as, as, as Stuart um, I, I, I'm struggling getting the motivation to get out of bed at the moment and mind do anything else mm. um, but I'm trying to kind of do the comic stuff and there's quite a few schools interested in us going in and, and so the Educon thing just to give people a quick background we, we go in um, and talk about collecting comics a bit of comic history so collecting comics comic history um, certain stories within comics that you should read so Marvel and DC I do the DC side um, Dan does the Marvel side mm-hmm. and then the day after we go in with a comic book artist or writer and we do sessions um, where the cup they talk about how to draw and how to get in the business and things. Um, we do sessions for primary school age, so right. um, five to ten. Wow. Um, then secondary school, so that's what eleven to fifteen, sixteen. Yeah. And then we do like um, more like a job for for colleges. Fantastic. Um, so that's college and universities. Universities is a proper job for where we we talk to people like Titan and and things like that to look at yeah. the different. But it's not just about. Yeah, it's not just about how to draw comics for the college and stuff. It's it's if you can't write and you can't draw, it's there is still careers out there for you to get into comics. If you want yep. to be part of a comic, you don't have to be an amazing writer. You don't have to be an amazing you know artist. There's, there's graphic design. There's logos and e doing. There's distribution. There's lots of things to do with mm-hmm. comics. So it's not just about the kind of art stuff as well. It's fantastic, mate. Brilliant. And I'll put all the links of the stuff that you've both mentioned in the, the show notes. So. And I'll tweet out as well things like the uh, the Educon and stuff like that when we, we get this um, episode out. But brilliant stuff. Um, and if you want to see more about my efforts in the art world and stuff, then it's all on Art92, art92.com is the website. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Again, it's all just Art92. Um, we've also got a YouTube channel where H puts up instructional videos about how to draw animals and things so she's been adding to that over the uh, recent festive break and like i say we keep it all with the same handle of art 92 because 
as I always say, you get to our age and you're lucky if you remember to get up in the morning and put your big French knickers on. Really? So, um, <laughs> just for Stuart there. And remember, if you've enjoyed this show, and I hope you have, because I, I certainly have, and it's been great, um, Dennis and Stuart giving up the time, then you can check out all our previous episodes on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on all sorts of um, different podcatchers. I don't know how they get on there, but they do. And if you're so inclined, please feel you know free to give us a review because apparently it helps us become more visible to other people who may not be aware that we exist. So thanks again to Dennis and Stuart. I mean, genuinely, it's been great talking to you guys. I really enjoyed having you back on and, and I knew that you know, uh, the subject of Superman was something that you're both very passionate about. And that's what I think has made it as fascinating a talk as it's been. So really appreciate that. Uh, thank, thank you for having me on. Sorry, I slagged off Dean King. That's okay. You're not the first or the last. <laughs> um, and I, what I'll do is I'll leave us with a rather fitting quote, I think, from the Man of Steel himself. You said, there's a right and wrong in the universe. And that distinction is not hard to make. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.